Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to the inaugural episode of the Physical Media Blog podcast on the Iowa Informer. My name is Nate. I'm Brian. And we write uh, the weekly physical media blog on the Iowa Informer, which is about movies, music, and books, um, any type of media um, representing those, uh, any type of genre from, from movies, music, or books, uh, we're into it. And we just explore our own tastes and our own collections. And, uh, you know, we're always adding to our collections, too. And a lot of times we like to also focus on Iowa specific movies music and books not always mm -hmm. but often um the blog is usually published on thursdays or fridays um and i think we're going to try to do some more of these podcasts too um maybe not on a regular schedule but um from Sem time to semi regular time. yeah <laughs> it kind of seems like brian you know when we have the right topic we might do it is that is that accurate sure sure that's a good that's a good yeah. way to do it and we have a really good topic today. Um, on, we did a video blog um, a few months ago now where we talked about Iowa vinyl. And today, we're gonna, this is going to be a bit of a follow-up um, on this podcast. We're going to be talking about Iowa CDs, which is a very specific topic. However, it's also incredibly vast. Um, I, I think that there have there have definitely been hundreds and there have probably been thousands of of iowa albums released on cds oh yeah uh, there are labels all over the state. i mean it's amazing when you dig into this stuff how much you know you you dig up um from all over the state from all different regions uh, i get you I mean cds is mostly in the last 20 years um but when it comes to iowa music uh there's just such an incredible and mostly undiscovered wealth of music that's been made in this state and uh so we're gonna be just not even scratching the surface um of of that incredible you know ocean of, of music that's out there to discover but we decided also for for this episode um to talk about albums that are a bit personal to us um you know things that we have albums that we have history with or artists um that have been inspirational to us personally and in that way, it's kind of like a getting to know us episode. Is, is that accurate for your picks, Brian? I think so, definitely. Yeah, we each picked five CDs, and so we'll have, so this is only 10 CDs out of the possible thousands. So we have many episodes to come. <laughs> and maybe on future episodes, we could also, you know, yeah. uh, do different regions of Iowa or different, uh, different yeah. towns or different genres. Oh, man. Um, we could do a whole city, yeah. pick a city and just do like the CDs that came out of that city, and that would be, that'd be amazing. Oh, I would love that. And people would come out of the woodwork to recommend things too, uh, which, which we would love. Um, and yeah, th this was a lot of fun picking these. If, if you're a fan of Iowa music and if you have Iowa music uh, in your CD collection, um, consider doing this, you know, pick out the five, you know, personal favorites or the, the, the five albums that have influenced you the most um, and put that together. Uh, we, we would love to see that too. If you want to hit up uh, Iowa Informer on, on uh, Twitter um, and be sure to check out the other uh, reporting that they're doing on the Iowa Informer, uh, which is uh, always being updated. Uh, there's the special coverage of uh, the COVID-19 pandemic and Iowa's um, response or lack thereof to that, uh, as well <laughs> as reporting on the uh, Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, Aaron Calvin um, has had some really significant uh, reports and broken some stories on the Informer there. And um, and also check out the uh, Mount Bank of Main Street uh, special feature that's on the Informer, as well as all the the great coverage that do, they do on there. You know, we talk about media, 
we talk about movies, music, and books. Um, but you know, we we really wanted to just start this so that we could support the site and support real journalism in, in some way. So uh, yeah. if you're able, you know, support them, but at the least, uh, you know, check out the the great work that all the writers do over there. And um, Brian, you want to kick off this topic for us? Sure. I was also just going to throw out, you can go to iowainformer.com to get all that information. Uh, hmm. And Nate and I get the fun job of just talking about stuff we like. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm going to start off. Uh, my first CD is uh, Pookie Bloom, their, their CD, Lo-Fi Lo Rainbow. Um, this is a CD that came out in 2001. Um, and kind of like my, my story behind this one is, uh, I mean, it's a great CD. It's like, it's like power pop uh, with a little bit of punk rock mixed in with it too. Um, and, and it has uh, um, some of the earliest recordings of Patrick Fleming, who would later go on to Poison Control Center and gloom balloon and uh um but for me this was like uh, i remember running into this band playing live a couple times around town in ames uh, when i was just going to college here and just starting to like get involved with playing a little bit of music and stuff and like the energy they exuded was just really nuts and i don't think people really knew what to do with them i i, I, <laughs> I, I saw them on a, a, a main street they had like some event down on main street in ames where they had blocked off the street and there was vendors and things and uh and pookie blue were the band playing and they were just like kind of jumping up and down and you know and screaming from the top of their lungs and having having a good time and, and very positive energy and everything but people were walking by just kind of looking around like what is this i don't really know what which i thought was amazing i was just sucked into it and so i just walked right up front was just kind of like staring at them <laughs> yeah um and and i'd like to play just a little bit of the song lo-fi rainbow just to give people a taste of what what this band was about what do i think about you i don't know where to begin slide down the lo-fi rainbow when you were at the end what do i think about you i don't know stuff yeah th this is a really significant band um for for ames and uh yeah you mentioned patrick fleming uh, being in that band as well and uh i'm pretty sure that the uh the origins of the bi-fi label um that pookie bloom was on and that this album lo-fi rainbow is on um i'm pretty sure the origins of that that label can be traced to uh patrick seeing pookie bloom play a concert in his hometown in northern iowa um and if i'm remembering the story correctly pookie bloom had come to play a show and Cat uh, patrick's band the canadian wheat lords um was also playing the show or he was just at the show um and, and saw them play and but he was just like you're saying you know with walking by and seeing them play and just being so blown away i mean he had the exact same reaction he was he was in love with the band and it made him want to move to ames and um, and he moved to Ames. He joined the band, and uh, he and Aaron Heffley ended up running the BiFi Records label, um, which ended up going on to put out some really significant Ames music um, and just and Iowa and Midwestern music. 
um it was it's a huge influence wouldn't you say brian that's yeah. been one of the one of the bigger for the last 20 years one of the bigger influences on ames yeah it's it's hard to overstate the influence that bi-fi records had they, they really did create uh a lot of what uh you know became the music community in ames as far as i can tell i mean their their, their legacy is huge it's I, I don't hear as many people talk about it any as much anymore but like uh um you know the seeds were really planted there and the whole idea of like hey we can all collaborate and make things together and support each other that spirit really like uh permeates um you know the, the music community names to this day which is which is a very cool thing there, there's no question about it and on top of that you know the fact that they you know that had the idea well you know we can have a record label where all of the bands are from Ames and and just the idea that there's enough bands you right. know, to do that in the first place <laughs> like enough original music th that alone is a huge statement it is um and then on top of that to say okay we're gonna have we're going to set up these studios. We're going to put out albums. Bands are going to, you know, go on tour. We're going to have uh, DIY music venues and house concerts. We're going to have touring bands come through our town, you know, and then you can hear the way that those bands influenced um, the bands that were in Ames and the bands that were on BiFi. Um, and and it and that that's the part of the tradition that goes on today with there being you know DIY independent record labels that are focused on on Ames music and and Iowa music um, and just the idea that well you know we can have a scene right here it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be oh I, I want to be part of a music scene so I'm moving to uh, Minneapolis or, or uh, Austin or whatever it's like I want to be part of the music scene so I'm going to start one in my town and that's what BiFi th I think that's the lasting legacy of BiFi as much as the actual artists i mean yeah. some of the artists that were on that label that, that got their start on that label went on to become some of the most significant rock bands that iowa has seen in the last 20 years i mean the, the envy core right which is probably yeah, yeah <laughs> one of the most successful iowa bands period um they, they you know they, their first albums were on Bi-Fi, at least one first album was on was on Bi-Fi. Um, Keepers of the Carpet, um, and you know Jordan Mayland, who has gone on to do so many things. And Brian, you recently wrote about him, uh, his new album for the Iowa Informer. People mm -hmm. should go check out that review. Uh, that, was, that was a really good review, and I'm really looking forward to checking that out. Uh, checking out the the record too but um yeah keepers of the carpet uh there was cult classic favorites like uh organ donor and pookie bloom and um ovaltine and just really really cool significant artists who you know went on to continue playing music a lot of them you know to to this day and then of course uh the poison control center right which is probably the most you know influential Ames band um, of, the, of the past couple of decades. Uh, so many, so many bands around Ames and around Iowa um, have been directly influenced by them. And, you know, their first albums run their own label, you know, the Bi-Fi Records label. Um, and that actually leads really well into the first CD that I'm going to pick, um, which is also a Bi-Fi Records classic. And this is one of the most, um, most signature, probably, bands that that's on this label i think um and let's let's get a re rebirth of this label i mean not i don't think it can be actually reborn but let, <laughs> let's get a new appreciation for this label going uh, like you said brian i don't i don't yeah. hear people writing about this or see maybe i'm just not seeing it um yeah. but um no this is this this is a really really cool label you don't have to be from iowa to like these bands um no and uh if you're just into underground music and um just DIY spirit and just cool indie pop and rock of the late nineties and early two thousands. Um, check out Bi-Fi records and, and, you know, and, and what they were doing. Um, but the album that I want to talk about is uh, a, 
definite Ames classic. It's from 2002 on the Bi-Fi label, and it is the debut full-length album of a band called Frank and Nixon. And I am talking about Depth Perception. Yeah. Um, yeah, Brian, you know about this. This is a really <laughs> big deal. It um, is. It is. And, and Frank and Nixon um, is just such a legendary band um, for, for Ames and a band that I think could definitely, you know, withstand uh, some, some new attention and, um, and, and something that people, if they checked it out today, um, could still really appreciate because, you know, listening to it again for this episode, I was just blown away all over again. Yeah, they were um, way ahead of the curve. Yeah, they really were. And, you know, and again, with artists that have continued to play and continue to push the envelope to this day, we'll get into um, Evelyn Davis and all the amazing um, work that she's continued to do here in a minute. And she's the lead singer of and piano player for uh, Frank and Nixon. But um, I mean, my own history with this, I, I completely missed this band. I mean, I, I got into I got into music, local music um, after this band had already finished up their run. Um, and I, I'm sad to say that I actually missed the entire BiFi era. Um, you know, for it for it being such a significant thing that has influenced me so much, I never actually, you know, saw or heard any of this music while it was going. Um, you know, I um, I started going to shows in, um, uh, well, going to like underground shows and stuff in 2005, and then started getting really into it in 2006. And um, BiFi was, I believe, ran from 1999 to 2004, around there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just totally missed it. I was just checked out. I was into other things and I just, you know, but I, but I heard about this label and I, you know, saw some indications of it around town um, and of this band, Frank and Nixon in particular. Um, for instance, uh, I would see these bumper stickers. Um, they looked like a, like a political campaign bumper sticker. They were red, white, and blue. And then big letters said Frank and Nixon. Um, and it looked <laughs> like it was for like a political candidate, which in Iowa, you know, it, it blends right in with all of the uh, advertising, the political advertising we see. And, um, and I remember there was in one place in particular, it was on a, um, on a lamppost, um, like right by Lake Laverne, right outside of the uh, Memorial Union. Um, and I'm assuming that every listener to this is is from Ames and just knows what I'm talking about. But um, no, but they can imagine a specific lamp post. But yeah, uh, but, no, uh, but but I just always that always just stuck in my mind. Frank and Nixon. I'm like, what is that? I didn't even realize that it was a band. Yeah. Um, and and you know I would hear things about BiFi like uh, there was um like in the late I went to high school in the late 90s early 2000 I graduated from high school in 2002, and I remember when I was in um I think it was when I was in ninth grade in like 1998 or 99 um uh i remember there was this band like a guy uh, or a couple guys uh in the grade above me they were in some ska bands remember that there was like whatever fourth wave ska or, or something oh, at that yeah. and it was like yeah there was a bunch uh, of that <laughs> there was a bunch of that well there was a band called grubby ernie oh yeah um, i remember grubby yeah ernie. <laughs> and that was also i think that was also an influence on on uh Patrick, not maybe not a musical influence, but just like a, you know, a band that was doing a lot of stuff in Ames when he first came here and was starting this label. Um, but yeah, the influence of Grubby Ernie, like a bunch of high school bands started um, just like ska or ska punk bands, basically. And I remember, um, <laughs> I remember like this one guy talking about, oh yeah, we got signed to a label. Yeah, we're gonna we're we're getting signed to a label. We're and just like something about that, just like that phrase, getting signed, getting signed to a label. It had this huge <laughs> sound to it. I just you know, I felt like. 
I felt like it was the most significant thing. I realized what <laughs> I later realized what they were talking about was BiFi Records. Yeah, and um, they they probably had set up a session or something. And Patrick had said, "Yeah, we'll put out your album or something like that." And so in their mind, we've been signed to an album, signed to a label, which that's legit. I mean, you know, it is legit. Uh, yeah, they're putting in. Yeah, and, and that's what having a local label can do. It creates this situation where suddenly you you know a band is thinking not only am I just gonna like play shows in in my basement to to my friends, but like we're gonna make an album, we're gonna put out music, we're gonna we're gonna, and this is before the internet. You know, mm-hmm. you just release whatever song on the internet. The so the um I mean it wasn't before the internet, but it was it was before <laughs> like SoundCloud and, and uh, YouTube yeah, and everything. before Spotify and all that. Yeah. Totally. And so, and it was before people just had recording equipment like in their pocket all the time. Um, And, you know, so the idea that there is a recording studio even to begin with, and then on top of that, that there's a record label, suddenly bands are like, okay, we can be a real band. We can put out music and we can be on a label and stuff. And it's just so awesome. Um, So, yeah, they really, they're in a studio space on the edge of town. And they, they right. and and people could go there and record, and you could either like pay them to engineer or produce your albums, or else there, you know, when when people weren't there doing that, they were all recording their own projects and scheduling time and getting ready to release stuff out of there. So, you know. well, it's amazing. You see a lot of the um, same names of people being thanked on these different BiFi albums. And, you know, it's a lot of these people that were like they were just in that studio helping out, you know, and getting all mm-hmm. these albums. Uh, getting all these albums to being to being finished and being done. And you know, there, there's so many great um, studios around. Uh, around Iowa and that's just one of the things that makes Iowa really cool there's a lot of really nice um studio environments and I think BiFi was probably on you know they're probably not they're definitely not the first studio in Iowa I mean we talked about Junior's Motel in the last episode on on the video blog and stuff um but for Ames you know and being like okay we record we record original music we we record rock and roll we you know we're putting out punk albums and stuff that's 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 big you know that's and, and being like accessible you know um, so I, I missed the BiFi label, um, era, but, um, shortly after that though, when I got into music, um, I was interviewing Patrick for an article that I was writing, uh, about his, um, music career. And I was asking him about, about BiFi and, you know, he's giving me information about that. And he was just so enthusiastic about this band, Frank and Nixon. He, he was just so proud of having put out their albums on his label. And it's just like, that, that's like one of the proudest things I got, or I got the impression that was just such a big deal for him, you know, um, th- this band Frankenex, and he just loved it to this day. And th- and then and you know, at, by that point, I had realized, okay, that that word from the sticker Frankenex, and that's a band. It was an Ames band. It was a big deal. Um, but I still hadn't actually heard their music. Um, and so uh, the next time that I saw Patrick after I'd uh, done this interview with him, he gave me this album Frankenex and Depth Perception, and. Um, you know, first of all, it, it's a really cool collectible item. Um, it's it's not a jewel case. It's like a, a cardboard. Um, you, you know, uh, it, it opens up and there's a an insert on the left, and then the CD is in there on the right. It's like and screen it, printed, it's almost isn't it? Like, what's that? Isn't it screen printed? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it's screen printed right onto this cardboard. Um, so this is like you know, uh, really DIY handmade stuff but it looks really good and it feels really good and because it's not a jewel case it never gets broken you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i actually love these um these more diy packages they they hold up really really well um and so yeah i was like okay this is awesome you know on the back you know it's got the bi-fi uh, label on it 2002 bi-fi records heard so much about this band you know i put this album on 
and I, you know, this, this is when I first heard it. And, um, you know, I can so clearly remember the feeling that I had when the first song comes on, it's called Face to Match. And, um, you know, people that are fans of this band, Frank and Nixon, they'll realize like what, what a trip I, I was in for, um, you know, because it just opens up with this, you know, the song Face to Match, as well as the whole album, you know, opens with, uh, you know, kind of bringing us into Frank and Nixon's world. I mean, uh, Evelyn is playing this really awesome kind of loungy sounding um, uh, piano part and there's uh, a sort of a jazzy um, drum feel going and you know uh, some nice light work on on the rides uh, the ride symbol and stuff and uh, and it just kind of brings you into this this world of you know um, of Frank and Nixon but but it, but it's kind of loungy and it's like then I remember distinctly this melody comes in this vocal melody which is it, it kind of seems like it emerges out of the piano melody but there's a slight dissonance with it as well it's like and like something about that melody just captured me and just to this day just always stuck with me and so you know but the thing with frank and nixon is that they which i didn't realize until uh later in this song was that they can set up one completely well-defined really distinguished musical feeling but then transition the song into a completely different dynamic, a different mode. A different, they, they can go into completely different, um, you know, time signatures and key signatures. Yeah, at the drop and, of a hat. <laughs> dude, out of nowhere. And so I was, I was stunned when I first listened to this song and to this album. And I was immediately realized, oh, okay, I see why this band is, was so revered. Because just the musicianship, um, you know the the strangeness, but be- but beauty of these compositions, mm-hmm. and how um, how extreme of a dynamic range they're able to chart. Um, you know, sometimes they kind of build from one place to another, and you you know you kind of have a feeling of the ground shifting beneath your feet and realizing, okay, something is about to happen. But other times they just boom, like smack you over the head with it out of the blue, and so it's just it's one of those bands that just has that element of surprise. They are, they're very progressive. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I think they, they might've called their, uh, I think, I think I saw somewhere online the music described as progressive pop. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, you could say it's progressive rock too, because yeah, they, it when, when they go big, it, it's, it's really heavy and it's really strong. And um, this is just very muscular. Um, but then when they go like, beautiful it's very beautiful you know um Mm -hmm. and that's what really first captured me with face to match and that's you know like the first uh minute of that song is i thought that's what frank and nixon was but there there's so much more than that um and i I also want to highlight another song on here that's called posers um which is my favorite song on this album and it's also the only video that i could find of frank and nixon on youtube um is a video of this song posers and i think it might have been recorded at the ISU TV studio. I'm not sure about that, but it, it kind of looks like that. Um, but it is such a good video. It's such a great song. Um, if you haven't heard this band, um, that would be a really good introduction because it shows you musically what they were doing and how together they were as a band. I mean, these mm-hmm. these musicians are really, really talented. Um, yeah. you know, I, I'm getting out the... Uh, insert now which is really cool insert it feels like it's also kind of like photograph paper or something and it's it's all these old photos but i don't know if they're related to the band in some way or if they're just random photos that they found at a yard sale 
Um, but there's just the old fashioned photos and I love looking at them. And then, you know, it has a picture of like an old country band and it has all the, you know, all the band members names under it. Um, and yeah, Evelyn Davis, piano and, and keyboards. Uh, and, um, and she's also the lead singer on drums, Weston Daly, bass guitar, Ben Bayer and electric and acoustic guitars, uh, Joe Kip Kiplinger. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's, there's one song I hear that's like a, instrumental acoustic guitar song um that i assume is this guy well it is this guy, guy joe kiplinger and it's really really good um it almost sounds like when led zeppelin does uh, like an acoustic song um and so it's just again just like another musical flavor just like out of out of nowhere just showing the range of this band but if you watch the, that youtube video for posers you'll you'll see um how really just strong and impressive they they were um Evelyn Davis is a really, really cool musician. Um, she's yeah, played agreed. At, dude. Yeah. Um, and I think you have more history with, with her than I do, which, um, you know, I, I, I want to, uh, have you speak on that because I've never actually met her personally, but, you know, I, I went to her website and, you know, she's still doing tons of stuff today. Um, you know, she's a music teacher and, uh, and she's still a really active musician. She's played at progressive festivals all over the world. She's played with really significant artists. Um, go to her website and, um, and see what she's working on now. And you can find some, some links uh, and some videos there because she was just a really special talent and, um, and, and still is. And it just shows, you know, and again, the brilliance of BiFi in, in a town like Ames, Iowa, which is a college town, you know, you constantly have people coming through town. They only live there for a few years, but a certain percentage of these people are really, are artists, you know, mm -hmm. are, are, are really cool artists and musicians. And you can have a situation where, you know, a group of four musicians who otherwise wouldn't have met at all, happen to be living in Ames, Iowa, happen to connect, start playing together, you know, play, start playing more and more, start writing a lot, start getting better and better. Next thing you know, there's actually a label in town. Hey, we should make an album. And then you go to the, you go to the studio and you make a classic album. Yeah. You know, you think to yourself, well, not, not you, um, but, but these people, Frank and Nick, well, yeah. you too, actually, Brian, you've done this, but, um, <laughs> but I just mean the general you, I mean, the, the idea that, you know, the idea of going down to just a, a local studio in Ames, Iowa and making an album on, on a local label, but thinking to yourself, you know, we're already here. We practice all the time. Like, you know, we're really good. Let's try to make a great album yeah. and, you know, and then succeeding, you know, and having something that can be listened to almost 20 years later. And it's just like, holy shit, this is, this is yeah. legit. Um, seriously, th this band is so awesome. People should, uh, should check them out and definitely check out what, what Evelyn is up to now. Brian, what's your history with Frank and Nixon? Uh, that's, that's actually a really good segue because my next pick is a Frank and Nixon album. So I'll just kind of, oh. <laughs> I'll kind of ride awesome. your, I'll ride your coattails here a little bit. Um, just, just out of curiosity, is there a catalog number on depth perception? Mm. Let me see. Just to tie this into BiFi a little bit more, the Pookie Bloom album was uh, BiFi CD number eight. Wow. And yeah, this, uh, it... I'm not this. This is somewhere in the middle of their run, but I'm not yeah. seeing. The, oh, here it is. Uh, well, actually, it's funny. It says uh, BiFi six six six. So, <laughs> <laughs> so they must have claimed that catalog number in advance. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and uh, and I'm going to talk about the Frank and Nixon album Amorphous a little bit, oh, which yeah. is BiFi CD number thirty two. Um, nice. and this one, uh, has a very special meaning for me because, uh, it was, uh, I had just started to be aware a 
of local music and go and had gone to some of the bi-fi shows and things like that um but i picked this album up uh or the cd up and uh when i got home and listened to it i was like holy crap this is super pro stuff uh you know and and later on i would like you know go through liner notes and connect the dots and stuff and they uh they recorded this with john vanderslice at the tiny telephone studio out in california um john vanderslice has his own career as an indie rock artist and is probably more well known as a producer at this point um Mm -hmm. but the fact that they got him to do it and i think at the sort of my feeling on on how things went at the time is that uh um, in the early 2000s when frank and nixon was operating uh prog rock um was not very cool uh, there wasn't a lot of uh, love and affection for progressive rock. Um, and and they, so they kind of cast themselves as more of an indie rock or alternative band, mm. uh, but they had all the chops of a prog rock band. And so, oh, yeah. so that's the kind of thing that like, you know, was really strange. Um, but, but knowing, you know, being able to go see people I knew on a stage and like, and be able to talk to them afterwards and stuff, and then realize that they had gone out to California and recorded at this famous studio, you know, in my little world and like, uh, and, and come up with something that sounded more professional than some of the stuff I was hearing on the radio uh, and definitely more interesting. You know, that's uh, you know, you were talking about like the time signature stuff and everything. They have a, a couple songs on this album in particular, one of them's word to confuse, which is the song that opens the album. Um, and then the third song neurotic slash cynical number one. Um, both of those, I, I, I say that they're like uh, Iowa prog rock classics um, and they have like so much character to them and everything. Um, I, uh, when I, when I got to meet Evelyn, um, I was blown away by her as a musician and was, was talking to her. I was kind of intimidated by her because she was so, she was so, but she was immediately just the sweetest person and just very, very kind. Um, and, uh, she invited the band I was in to like play at her, uh, at her home, the practice space. Um, which was an apartment <laughs> above a above a business down on Main Street here in Ames, um, and and our our band it was just we played just my friend Jordan and I played acoustically and we got to open for Kimya Dawson there. Um, which awesome. Is, yeah, and I had no idea who Kimya Dawson was at the time, so it didn't it was lost on me until many years later, and I was going like, holy shit, we opened for Kimya Dawson. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but that was just very nice of her to do. And she, she invited us back to do some other things. And, uh, um, and then she, she moved away for a while. And then, uh, I I remember, uh, she, Frank and Nixon kind of like, um, I don't know, they had some issues or something. They kind of changed and they morphed into a band called sword, like S W O R D sword of exactly, which is just like a great pun. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sort of exactly, but it has, but you know, but it's good. Um, Yeah, I can't say uh, enough good things about this band though. They they really did blow me away. And then uh, and a couple of years ago, Evelyn moved back, and uh, um, we got to play some shows with her. And I, uh, I I I booked her for one of the shows I was putting together, and she came and played piano. She does a, a project now called Chiromancer, where mm-hmm. it's just her playing piano and uh, some prog rock drummer out of Chicago, and mm-hmm. it's, and it, and it's nuts. It's super nuts stuff. If you're really into like complex um, music, uh, it's um yeah check it out they have a Bandcamp thing so check out chiromancer on Bandcamp, and that's just one of the things like you said that she does she uh i know she uh she's friends with uh the legendary guitarist uh fred frith um who was in henry cow and has worked with brian eno and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh, and she's helped put together like uh like uh orchestral arrangements with him and stuff out in california so 
Yeah, so she's she's very well respected, well beyond Ames. Yeah, totally, and and rightfully so. And it's it's just so cool that she's had, you know, this, um, you know, that Ames is kind of part of her musical journey. You know, when you when you look at the the whole career, which is obviously still ongoing, and and mm-hmm. even um, th- there's there's probably a lot lot longer to go. Um, you know, but but she's really had an impact on Ames specifically, like you mentioned, um, the practice space mm-hmm. uh, for, you know, for people who, you know, any, anyone in Ames, you know, uh, who was around at that time will remember. But um, if you're not for Ames, I mean, that was really the most significant DIY space that's that's been in, in Ames um, in, you know, in this century. Um, you know, they were uh, it, it was Frank and Nixon's practice space. I mean, that's why it was called that. Um, and they had really cutting edge artists coming through uh touring through ames just playing in an apartment on main street like you said i mean uh yeah the kimia dawson that's so awesome that you guys got to play that show that's one of the names people often mention like yeah you know practice but right up there see that apartment yeah kimia dawson played there devendra banhart is another one that people mention <laughs> and uh the microphones is the other one that, that people. but i mean you know kimia dawson uh th- there was a lot of uh, K Records bands that would come and play in Ames uh, and, and would play at the practice space specifically. And, and I think that they were an influence. I mean, not not maybe not direct um, musically, but uh, but I think that that label and, and a lot of those artists, like I was talking to Ramona, um, Ramona Muse Lambert on for the Iwin former a few months ago, and she brought up a bunch of the K Records bands that she had saw. Uh, that she had seen play at the uh, at the practice space when she lived in Ames, um, and so the, you know those those having having a band that you know is is just having having one band that's so awesome can lead to so many other things and so many other people being being influenced, mm-hmm. um, and that's just that's just what makes local music so interesting and so intriguing to me and just like following all those those threads and those individuals and their careers, uh, just gets such a kick out of that. Um, me too. So yeah, so yeah, we're this is this is definitely a big time physical media blog recommends band because we both independently yeah. uh, selected uh, <laughs> albums by Frank Nixon. So so yeah. that's a that that is a full. We're jump starting like the Bi Fi Records revival right here. <laughs> <laughs> it can be traced to this moment. We were there. <laughs> But I mean, but really, though, people should should do that. They should look, you know, go to Discogs, um, look at, uh, you know, put in Bi-Fi, check out some of the bands and some of the albums that have been on there. Seek out some of this music or if you have some of this in your collection, um, check it out. Get, give Patrick or, or Aaron uh, Heffley, give them a shout online and tell them uh, that, that you love this label. Um, and uh, yeah, so this is a like we said, this is a getting to know us um, podcast episode. This is our first episode. Um, and so in light of that, um, I wanted to do, do a little background on my next pick, um, because I decided that I would allow myself one pick from the Nova Labs label, uh, which is a label that I'm a, a huge fan of and collector of. Um, and also Brian and Rachel Dudley are also the owners and proprietors of, um, so the reason I only decided to pick one is because, you know, we don't, we don't want to just talk about each other's stuff. I mean, right. <laughs> um, uh, but, but as you'll see, Brian, what, what I picked, it's not, this isn't, this is just like the pick that I'm, that I made from your label though, is like such an Ames. This yeah. is like, this is like an Ames band. You'll see what I'm talking about. I'm going to recuse um, myself uh, from the conversation at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you know, you don't, 
you don't, you know, impose yourself so much on this label. I, I don't feel, I mean, I, I, there's been such a huge variety of bands from all over the state. Um, you know, right. people should really check this out. I mean, it's all handmade every single release of every single album. Uh, I mean, every single album that they put out was, was physically made by hand. So if you're a, a physical media collector like me, um, and if you love underground music like like we do, this it doesn't get any better than this because yeah, the, I mean, handmade, loving, loving care for physical media objects in 2020. I mean, dude, that's 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 what I'm about. That's <laughs> that's what it's that's awesome. what it's all about. And you know, they're they're also really nice. Like whatever, you know, like you've just got everything down to a science. Um, and the, these are just collectible as physical items. Um, and like you know physical people who are collectors understand that there's like a certain amount of like object fetishism in being a collector sure um yeah. and yeah so like having things that just like look right feel right you know they're like the, the right weight like you just want to hold them and look at them um this will all sound insane to someone who listens to all their music online but trust me this is a real <laughs> thing uh you know if you're that kind of person like that's one of the things to re that recommends this label in particular so i decided i would allow myself one pick and i so i pulled out a bunch of my nova labs favorites and i listened to a, a bunch which was really fun um and i want to just uh highlight a couple that i uh, or a few that i considered before getting to the one that i actually picked um first of all um a newer one from last year 2019 moon bath by anna libera um, here, let's play a little clip of that real quick here. Okay. Yeah, and that's a clip from my favorite song on this album. My favorite song on this album so far, anyway, uh, which is uh, Consequences. Um, but yeah, we we talked about Anna on the uh, on the Iowa Vinyl video blog. We talked about her album Opia, and this is the follow up to Opia, uh, Moon Bath on Nova Labs record label number. I think it's number one twenty four in your, your release catalog, if I'm remembering. Mm -hmm. um, but uh but yeah this is just such a beautiful album we were talking last when we talked about opia we were mentioning how Annalie libera is such a cool artist to follow um because of how much she has evolved you know evolving from album to album and she's been able to uh do a bunch of different cool styles of music um but also have a really recognizable like anna-ness to them uh and yeah if you are following her career which you definitely should um she's one of the top artists in iowa then you definitely need to get this album uh this is this is another um bit of a pivot for her in terms of musical style i mean this is electronic pop music um and it was co-produced by anna and philip rabelais uh, who is a really uh, well-respected, really talented uh, filmmaker and, and musician who's been involved with a bunch of cool uh, projects in Iowa. Um, 
And yeah, this this just sounds really great. Again, the songwriting here is just is just so outstanding, and her musicianship. I mean, we were talking about Evelyn, you know, as as a musician and just like as a musical person, as a musical thinker and composer. Um, Anna really has those. I mean, it's not the yeah. same type of music, but Anna is another one who just she has chops. Like she, she chops. you know, like she is not messing around. I mean, she, I, she's not like showy about her chops at all, but yeah. she has legit chops. Like not not only can she write songs, um, like she really knows what she's doing on on a musical level, and yeah. that's just makes it so fun to just follow her career and listen to what she does and she just always keeps me on my toes um and yeah my wife and i love this album and people should definitely check that out i also considered um or one I, this is a sleeper from the nova legs nova labs catalog <laughs> um that people should definitely check out if they don't have this one i'm talking about a knock at the door uh the album by dang felton and, um, you know, I just I just have a sweet spot for Dang. Uh, he is just a really good guitar player, good songwriter. Every song on here is just is just really solid. And if you just love finger style guitar uh, like I do and um, just great folk playing. Um, yeah. He's got such a sweet check out Dang voice, Felton. too. He's, he's, he's so soft spoken in his songs. Yeah. It's like, uh, if, if, yeah, if you if you listen to his music and you don't like it, then you don't really like music, I think, because it's just it would be, it'd be really <laughs> difficult to not like what he's doing. It's like so yeah. melodic and so like, you know, and so understated, but so beautiful. It really is. And and also there's um, it, it kind of is really um, this album is just really nice to put on. It's the kind that you can just listen to, like, you know, like put it put it if you have like if you're a car CD player um, starts over, you know, starts an album over when it gets to the end. <laughs> this is totally one that you can just listen to on loop for like days and weeks on end. I've done that. Um, you know, it's just it just sets such a consistent tone uh, throughout and just, yeah, beautiful singing and good songwriting. And he, he used to do a um, like a songwriter series at the um des moines social club and, and i got to play at one of them and just got to appreciate you know like he, he really uh, set those up yeah you know, to you know spread knowledge about songwriting but i saw so much of his curiosity about songwriting and you know songwriting is something that really interests me like um, just the phenomenon of songwriting right, yeah. um, as well as good songwriting itself and you know dang is really someone who um is good and also has that curiosity and appreciation just for for the art and craft um of songwriting so yeah check out dang felton and then one i have to mention um and i strongly considered making this my pick as well um and is a this was a huge album for the nova labs label i'm talking about dr murdoch a man from earth on mercury Ooh, yeah. um man uh didn't this uh, didn't this sell out when you first did the original printing of this several times yeah it's gone through multiple yeah. uh versions it's one of the biggest sellers on the label still they were, yeah, you can't understate Dr. Murdoch's, uh, uh, you know, presence in Ames in particular. They were just starting to kind of spread out into Des Moines and beyond uh, and playing like festivals and stuff like that when they broke up. But like they were they, they were a big deal there they were, and, and rightfully so. They were a really goddamn good band. <laughs> oh, man, dude. Yeah, they, they were people were getting down to Dr. Murdoch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it, this this album is so special for Ames as well, because. You know, they're one of these bands where, like, you know, they, they, uh, they, they, they're originally from Creston, Iowa, and, you know, they moved to Ames. Again, you know, just, like, people moving to Ames and, like, things happening um, that can only happen because people moved here, you know. Uh, you know, they, they, they moved to, and I, so I just got to see every phase of this band from, like, uh, you know, when they were jamming on a steel drum uh, and just being kind of loose, you know, to having three guitarists and, you know, uh, be, being kind of jammy to then uh 
you know, locking into this four piece uh, unit and just really, really shredding and just galvanizing so much support and and in in Ames, you know, I from from seeing them start at the Ames Progressive, you know, like I got to see them play to no people and then five people, ten people, fifty people, and then they ended up being the most popular band in Ames. Mm-hmm. And right when they were really cresting as a band um and and gaining more and more interest and popularity right at that moment this album came out and this there hadn't been that kind of demand for and for like you're saying it sold out multiple printings Mm -hmm. the idea of there being demand for a cd made by a band that is only known in in ames (laughs) iowa seriously like that only happens every few years and it's a really big deal like the the idea that there's a coveted item you know that you know in an era when people like CDs are dead, like, you know, right. uh, why would anyone have physical media in, in the media, in the middle of that era, when people were just realizing how awesome internet music is, um, you know, to have actual demand for a local band's album is just so awesome. And then on top of that, the album itself is just great. I mean, it was recorded by uh, Matthew Dake and he, you know, he's a huge fan of the band as well. You can tell because he just did such a good job of like preserving the liveness and just the hard hitting nature of this band and just, um, the, uh, you know, they're, they're not quite as maybe extremely dynamic as Frank and Nixon, but they do have an ability to just turn a corner, you right. know, this band and they're, yeah. they're really hard hitting and, um, and really, um, just like kinetic music style. And that's preserved really well in this album. Uh, you know, there's song, some songs on here, you know, Guns for San Sebastian, Mia Moore, uh, I'm a giant, you're a giant, let's step on things, nervous paralysis, March to the meaningless, you know, they were just crushing aims with this music i mean people were just you know uh dripping in sweat losing it dancing to this band and just total support and you know this album preserves that so well um ben foster uh the lead singer of the band um did the art for it. this is really really cool artwork he's a really cool visual artist mm-hmm. and all of these um the musicians in this band have you know done their own uh so had their own solo careers and, and other bands and stuff ben foster like i said um will petra the guitar uh, guitarist um adam lyons uh on bass who uh, released a noble abs album that i also really like um at, under uh um the name mountain east mountain mm-hmm. and the drummer of dr murdoch and this is the last preview album i'm going to talk about jose mendez who released a solo album under the name cuervo that is called Live Now, Die Later. And this is another album that I considered uh, listening to and I put it back on and I, I really like this album. Um, you know, it's, it's really cool, like somewhat psychedelic um, dance music. That's you another know, shows... sleeper, actually. What's that? That's another sleeper album, I think. Totally. Where it's like, I, I never got its due. I don't think it's so good, but like, uh, uh, I never thought that it really got its due. And, and I, I thought it should have been a much bigger record because uh, he spent a lot of time on it and it's like so delightful all the way through. Oh, it really is. And it's just so cool, um, you know, seeing Jose, you know, step out as, you know, a producer, a composer Mm -hmm. um, and electronic musician. I mean, like he if you've ever seen him like play electronic instruments, he is really good. And, you know, I mean, I got to say, like for, you know, like part of the reason that Dr. Murdoch is such an amazing band um, is is that, you know, Jose is a really amazing drummer Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, even before the band, like like when I was talking about how you know they started with the steel drums and then you know they uh, you know moved on to having three guitarists and stuff and like all through that time Jose was just a rock he really was really really solid and eventually the entire band kind of became that that rock you know mm-hmm. they they all uh, especially when they locked into that uh, quartet and um, 
you know, I've played, gotten to play a lot of music with, with uh, Jose, and yeah, he is one of the most fun, most exciting, satisfying people to, to play music with. He's just extremely rhythmic, extremely musical, really good songwriter and composer in his own right, as he shows on this album, uh, Live Now, Die Later. Um, and uh, and just his ability, you know, with, with, with beats and rhythm uh, is just is just so strong and, and so um, individual. And it's just, so this is one that, you know, I think, like you said, is, is maybe an underappreciated release. But if you're a fan of Dr. Murdoch, check out the, you know, like Mountain East Mountain and Cuervo and uh, Flossbird and uh, Will DePietro's solo stuff because they're all really talented. And yeah, I want to mention some of the collaborators that Jose has uh, because that's another really cool thing on this album, Live Now, Die Later, is just that, you know, he put together a really cool group of people to, um, you know, contribute uh you know vocals and different instruments and stuff like you've got uh ben foster megan blair dave atchison andrew kubley uh john prosser um uh, bill heinen molly mcdonald uh who we've written uh who i wrote about on the blog a few months ago uh, the great uh poet and writer from ames and last but not least and now i'll actually talk about the real pick that i made <laughs> up from the nova labs label uh Another contributor to the Cuervo album is Holly Figueroa. And the album that I landed on that I decided to pick out from the Nova Labs label is the self-titled debut album from Holly and the Night Owls. I'm holding this up to the phone as if you can see this. <laughs> um, uh, I'm mentally picturing it. <laughs> <laughs> I figured that, yeah, you, you, you've seen this plenty. You know what I'm talking about. Um yeah, man. When when I put this on, I was like, "Yeah, this is the this is this is the one." I, I love this album. Just I love this album so much. I Holly Figueroa yeah. is one of the most underrated Iowa songwriters. Um, yeah. and I, actually, she's she's kind of you know Omaha and Iowa. Um, which you know I, Iowa and there, there's a lot of crossover there as well. But um, mm -hmm. you know I think we can call her an Iowa artist because she's done so much in Ames. Uh, you know she is. And I'm going to talk about the entire band in this album, but you know she is someone who's just been such an inspiration um, and, and and influence to so many people, including me. Um, you know, I first saw her play at the Boheme Open Mic Nights, and you know you you remember that setting was just you know really loud, lots of people, people not really mm -hmm. paying attention to the music, um, and you know in that context, you know she would sit at the piano, which I'm I'm if I'm remembering correctly, picturing her right, you know she had to sit with her back to the audience. Um, and so, and, and she does not sing loudly or play loudly, which is mm -hmm. like we mentioned with, with Dang, which is just so compelling. You know, I love yeah. people who, who do that, who, who, who are just like, I don't have to scream and yell to get your attention. Like I'm singing great words. I'm a great <laughs> singer. Like that's plenty. Um, but I just remember, you know, even though it was so loud and just so hectic in there and she wasn't trying to be like, Hey guys, listen to me. Like I'm about to play now. She would never do things like that. She would just sit down, start playing and just the fundamental beauty of her music and her piano playing and her um, sense of her chord sensibility, her melodic sensibility. I mean, the chord progressions that she comes up with are some of the most beautiful, singular um, piano parts that I can remember hearing um, from at least from people around here. Mm -hmm. um, and if I, I believe she, she can correct us if I'm wrong. I'm sorry if I'm misspeaking, but I, if I'm remembering correctly, I believe that she's self-taught. And um, I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. She and comes I from think a musical just, family. Okay. Musical. Okay. So she comes from a musical family. Um, and 
she had this ability to sit down at the piano and figure out what she wants to hear, you know? So it's, she's not necessarily approaching it from a music theory standpoint as much as just from, well, I've got a, I've got a sound that I want to hear in my mind and I'm going to, I'm going to find the chords that, that are that sound. Um, and what she comes up with, she has some of the most just, just chilling, beautiful, unforgettable um, chord progressions. I mean, and just to be this moved by just someone's chord progressions, I mean, that's just an awesome foundation to start with songwriting wise. And then on top of that, like as a lyricist, she, she can, she, she can hold her own against anybody. Um, right, she, yeah. <laughs> dude, she is outstanding. Every yeah. song on here is so well written, so thoughtful, um, clever, you know, the lyrics can be a bit biting at times, but they're not presented, you know, like, again, yeah. she, she sings kind of quietly. Um, and, you know, just uh, full of just detail, visual, um, you know, visual details that put the, put the song in a place, um, memorable turns of phrase, great choruses, uh, just songwriting wise, Holly Figueroa is so, so good. And, you know, we're going to, songwriting is going to come up again and again in this conversation, I think, because um, that's one thing that you and I are, are both, I know that we're both really big fans of, is just great lyrical oh, yeah. songwriting. Yeah. Um, and if you love stuff like that, um, then you've got to check out the self-titled album from Holly and the Night Owls. This is a three-piece band. Um, Holly, uh, along with Vedron Serlon on the drums and Caleb Swank on bass. And, you know, these guys, they, uh, you know, they, they are just so on board with, with Holly's music and with Holly's sound. And I just love this band. I love this. Band. I listen to this band play for three hours in a row. Like yeah. I, yeah. every, because they're just, you know, they, they are so together, you know, and what I love about it is like, you know, Caleb and Vedron, they both have played in some pretty heavy bands. Yeah. I mean, they come from more of like a punk um, background. Yeah. And even, you know, they were both in Electric Jury, which is also in a great Nova Labs, has a great Nova Labs album that I, that I wrote about on the I Went Former years ago. But, um, but uh, you know, Electric Jury was almost like a like kind of a bluesy metal band. Um, right, yeah. Uh, Very or, heavy. And, and a bit progressive as well, too. Uh -huh. And but just heavy, big stuff. I mean, and Vedron has played in People With Heads and, you know, Caleb, Caleb has been in like uh, in, in heavier bands as well. So it's yeah. just really cool to hear them so restrained in, in this band and just hear them, you know, really like. Um, listening so much and keying in so much to the dynamic and um and, and just playing gently playing quietly i mean there are times when they when they build it up um but you know in, in general this is a this is a bit you know of a more um you know this is not a band for like a bunch of crashing and, and like huge no. you know this is not <laughs> rocking out and it's just i can picture in my mind just the pleasure that they took these three people took from playing together i, I mean mm -hmm. you can just see it i mean well vedron really shows how much joy he has in music you know mm -hmm. uh, you can just see in his face and but i get it like i mean this would it would be so fun to play these songs uh and i remember going up to I, it might have been caleb um going up after uh going up to him after a, a holly the night owl show and just being like you know that was awesome and you know the gr great show he's like these are great songs you know yeah. and it's just they, they totally get you know they totally just are they're there so in support revering. of the songs yeah and that's what they're there to do and just yeah. when, when a band has that um ha has that commitment and when they're playing songs that are this good uh that that's just so awesome and uh makes for something really special especially on a local level when you can know the people personally and have history with the songs because yeah. when this album came out i had been desiring 
this album for for years. I mean, this this mm-hmm. came out in 2014. I think I met Holly in 20s, uh, 2007. <laughs> and, you know, some of these songs I had heard her play for for a few years in Ames, like uh, Greg's song and My Baby. Um, and, uh, you know, every time I would see her play, I would just be, you know, it was just like tantalizing because it was like, man, like I, I seeing her play was so precious because it's the only time you can hear these songs, you know? Yeah. It's like, I just want to take this home and listen to this song 20 times in a row, like the song stay. Um, you know, I, I was, uh, I was, I got to hear her play that. I think it was like, might've been within a few days of when she had written it. And this is another thing about local music and being friends with musicians. Like when someone plays a really good song, but it's brand new, the feeling that they have for the song, the feeling that it was, that it was written with, you know, the excitement, um, any songwriter knows this feeling. It's like the, 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 the song you just wrote is like your favorite song of all time. I mean, and when it's a great song, I remember this song stay, I was just pinned to my seat and just chills covered in chills um covered in goosebumps she just has a way with melody and and just the combination with her with her singing style she has a way of just cutting just absolutely cutting straight to the to the body and um and making this music that just has this physical visceral chilling effect for me at least and i think yeah. for other people too because people just love this stuff and you know i would always when i was a booking agent i would book holly and the night i was to play with with the best bands coming through the best songwriters and um you know because i was like let's let's show what ames is capable of and yeah i mean every time you know uh everyone would walk away really impressed and that's why this is just something that you know way more people need to appreciate this band and this album and you know holly as a songwriter i mean some of the songs down here like fourth of july like i mentioned greg's song my baby stay um bad enough to kill which is one that i've covered uh, and i think she might have written that one as a joke like in middle school and then pulled it out years <laughs> later and it turned out being a great song it's one of my favorite songs of hers and got to mention and uh one song on here that is very special to ames let's listen to a little clip of her right now it's called atheist song some folks want it all A pretty standard leave behind Something we can all admire Just so they kept in mind Most people close their eyes When they're terrified As if it changed a thing As if it turned the tide well, I don't want to make up your mind, but if you can't decide, let's do what you like, cause you won't get another try, and work real hard or not at all, it doesn't. Yeah. So, I mean, Brian, this is just like, this is an Ames classic because, you know, this is one where this is, this is actual folk music because Mm -hmm. this is a song written by a songwriter who lives in Ames, original music. And, uh, you know, there are, could play this, could play this song at a show and 50 people would be singing every single word, but outside of this town, no (laughs) one's ever heard of this song or this artist, you know, this is folk music for this town at this time, at the time that it came (laughs) out. And that is, you know, it's like, you either have to be there to appreciate this and to know this, or otherwise you might never know that it exists. And that's, that's just, that's the beauty and the fleeting quality of, 
of local music. And it's so sad how much is, is being lost right now due to the uh, pandemic and the fact mm-hmm. that people can't gather in this way because this experience of singing along the words of a local songwriter's song and just feeling them so much, loving them so much and hearing all of these people singing along as well and realizing they love this music so much too. Like they, they've listened to this 10 times in a row, just like me, they know these words. You have to be really good to, to get to that point. You have to be really good to have that many people give a shit at all, but not only, not only give mm-hmm. a shit, but like to actually learn all of these words and love them so much. It's kind of like with Dr. Murdoch and the community being so behind them and so on board with what they were doing. I mean, Holly and the Night Owls, you know, has had that kind of support as well. And, um, but just in the Ames community. So if you're from somewhere in Iowa, other than Ames, you haven't heard this, check it out. Holly and the Night Owls. I can't tell you how many times we've been in a club and and when Holly's been playing and uh, she kicked into Atheist Song and everybody is singing along to it. And I just like smile so big every time that everybody is chiming in and singing every word to this song about atheism. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's just something amazing about that. (laughs) I love that too. Yeah. It's like, it's like, uh, reverse church or something right like that. <laughs> because it, it is total like communal you know like yeah. the, the, not only is it awesome to have people singing along but like you know singing along is like what you do at church you know like mm-hmm. having you know so to to write something you know for people that don't believe in church but just because you don't just because you don't believe in in religion or follow a religion doesn't mean that you don't want to join in song with people right. and so it's just it's a brilliant idea to be like well what if there was like an, an <laughs> anthem for atheists which was like obviously there should be but yeah. when you actually write it and when it's this great and it becomes like a local classic like that i just love that too and it's just like you know singing about how it's like you know having people it's almost like a poison control center thing um like mm-hmm. a magic circle symphony of like having people singing about something that is a difficult so you know singing about death but singing about it in a way that is like embracing of life you know mm-hmm. um and, and like it, it, it's even just embracing a, of life that you're singing about this it's kind of like um like with the blues you know like um it's like the impetus for the blues you know um uh, you know, this idea of, of taking su- a subject that is difficult or taking pain and singing it, you know, singing about it. Um, and, you know, I, I just, I just can't say enough about this band. Every song on here is so awesome. The playing is so good. Um, there's a bunch of uh, really cool um, contributors to this album as well. Uh, you've got Brenna Dixon, Paul Hertz, Kate Kennedy, who we'll be talking about again, I think, uh, Donnie Peterson, Brian Stout, Wildman, mm-hmm. uh, Chris Ford, You've got Kai Tanaka, Claire Creasel. So really good people on here. And all these people like revere Holly. They all love Holly. Um, I've talked to, I've talked to um, so many great songwriters who just, you know, local songwriters, um, just about our shared appreciation for Holly Figueroa. So if she's listening, just know people love your music. Um, and if you, if you haven't um, checked this band out before, uh, please do. It's called Holly and the Night Owls. You can find it, Nova Labs. Uh, it's, is it on your Spotify? Uh, no, no. She has it on Spotify uh, yeah. on her own, and you can look for it on uh, novalabs.info is where you could go find a copy of it, either digital or physical, if you like. Yeah, yeah, definitely highly recommend that one, even all bias aside and all that stuff. It really, <laughs> it really is just really good songs, and she took her time with it and made sure that everything was just right. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and I think that really shows that like the quality on it is very high. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, my next pick is uh, is another personal choice, I guess. Uh, uh, this is a uh, it's an album by Joe Terry. It's actually a double mm. double album by Joe Terry. Um, probably most well known for being in Poison Control Center as well, who we've talked about a couple times. Uh, mm-hmm. This is not a bi fi release. <laughs> this is a this is a very DIY thing. It uh, came in a uh, I bought it at uh, Firehouse Books, um, which you, you said you used to work there. Is that right? Yeah, a firehouse yeah. book. Okay, yeah, yeah. It was Love a it. used bookstore in, in Ames, and uh, and it still has the firehouse book sticker on it, uh, mm. and it has a a plastic sleeve that has little slips of paper glued on it with Joe Terry's name on it, and then uh, and it's a uh, kind of that cardboard thing you were talking about before. It's just a piece mm. of cardboard folded over, and then it has like pieces of paper glued onto it, and one side has a, a, a hand drawn um, piece of artwork that says space, and the other one is area. So it's called space area. Um, and it's in, inside the discs are they have they're written with a sharpie. Joe Terry signs his name <laughs> and then tells you which one is his area or or space. Um, space is uh, um, the the thing that I like about this one is it's the first DIY album made by somebody that I knew, and that concept blew my mind uh when it when because i was like wait a minute this guy just because i remember asking him was like how did you do this and he's like oh i just recorded it at home and then i just like burned cds and and you know stayed up all night putting it together or whatever and i was just like you can do that and, and you have no idea how inspiring that was to me uh, uh it led to many many thousands of hours of my lifetime spent trying to accomplish the same thing that uh <laughs> i found out about in that moment um and it's uh yeah and, and and it sounds really good too is the other thing is i was like he, you know he made it sound like he threw it together and i had low expectations and got home and listened to it and i was like holy crap this is really oh, yeah. good um space is kind of like uh it's more of the structured one it, it kind of sounds like rem in spots but there's like a little bit of like surf rock stuff in there too um it, it's very melodic and structured and and it's and it's all just joe experimenting with music essentially he played all the parts and everything um and then area is the opposite it's very loose and it sounds very live there's a uh, lots of guest musicians on this it's a uh, very experimental and sort of like avant-garde in nature um, it's not quite a noise album but like uh it touches on things like that um and then the end of the the disc ends with a field recording of cr- crickets um, and, and the night as a train goes by, which is like, uh, if you've lived in Ames at all, hearing trains go by is the most Ames thing because we're, we're just, <laughs> I think there's something like 50 day, trains a day or something like that that go through Ames. I read once. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I just thought that was the, that was the best. This came out in, uh, uh, it's, it's space was recorded in 2003 to 2004 and area was recorded in 2004. And some of the collaborators on this, it lists Don Curtis, Jeff Doran, Alice McGarry, who uh, is a pretty well-known uh, fiddler around town, Devin Frank, who was in Poison Control Center, Andy Mitchell, who still makes music and is, is around. He was in uh, Unwavery, uh, Laura Clements, Jason Lippard, who was also in Unwavery, um, Jeff Shannon, Anita Davis, Adam Hawkins, um, who went on to have his own successful music career. Yeah. Um, and then it says Nick and Gina were around, but I don't know who they are. 
<laughs> but yeah, this is this one's just a very special thing to me because uh, uh, right when I was getting intrigued in the idea of like what a music community meant, you know, I'd, I'd sat around and played guitar and dinked around with recording demos and stuff like that on my own, um, and then realizing that there was a larger world and that you could connect to it. Um, and I had not considered that before. I, you know, that, that was a revelation to me. So this was a, that, this changed my, changed my worldview, I guess. Yeah. <clears throat> Joe, Joe Terry is such a cool songwriter and musician. Um, yeah. And you mentioned his work in the Poison Control Center. Um, you know, he's wrote, he's written some of the best Poison Control Center songs like Don't Go, um, which is, you know, that that's one they often did as a closer and, and one of their most beloved songs. And um, he also did uh, well, one of my favorite songs on Stranger Ballet, which is called uh, Church on Mars and um, Give It a Try, which is one of the coolest uh, PCC songs, which was released um, on the uh on a seven inch and on the other side is uh, when the world sleeps. Um, that's a really cool collector's item for uh, Iowa music fans too. But yeah, you know, the, it's, Oh, and I also want to mention, um, isn't there a song, the first song on, I think it's area um, is called the great Gulf. If I'm remembering. Correctly. Yeah. 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 I always get it confused if it's the great divide or the great Gulf. but man, I just, remember, I, I, cause I love that. I, this was one of the first, like, um, uh, Ames DIY albums that I got into as well um, came highly recommended from someone and um, and yeah I just remember that that song The Great Gulf it just I find that really stirring the way he sings it the melody of it um, and then the rest of that if I remember correctly the rest of that uh, whole CD area like that was the only vocal song if I'm remembering correctly. I think you're right. Yeah. The rest of yeah. it is, it's a lot of like, you know, you can hear people like talking and kind of singing but like right. it's not lyrics or anything it's you know I love that idea of like having a double album and then having one of them be, you know, song forms and then having the other one be a little bit more loose and formless. It's, it's just so cool of putting those two, th you know, not making those separate albums, but being like, no, this is, these are two sides of the same album. I just, I think that there's something really cool about that. You get to have your cake and eat it too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very focused and I'm now not I'm sure not. Which one, <laughs> I'm not sure which one is the cake and which one is the two. Well, that's actually a very good transition because um, the next uh, CD that I wanted to talk about is also a very, very handmade, very DIY, glued together on pieces of cardboard. Um, you know, uh, the, the the front and back covers are pieces of paper that were clearly uh, glued onto this cardboard because the, the corners are kind of coming up a little bit. Um, but it has really awesome art. It's bright pink. Um, it is an extremely DIY album, and the album that I am talking about is a really special album for Ames and a really special artist. It is the debut full-length album from Flavor Basket. It's called Gumby's Not Dead, Tom Foolery. Uh, I mean, this is just, this is another Ames classic. And putting this on, I had so much fun listening to this again. Um, I mean, I've been listening to these songs a ton uh, from playing a lot of them uh, in the Flavor Basket songbook. Um, which people should should definitely check out. Uh, and not, uh, this is another thing we've written about on the blog. Um, but yeah, but but you know, there's something about first albums to me. Um, yeah, you know, like we talked about, yeah, like actually everything, 
every yeah everything that i'm talking about in this conversation is a first album um th- some of these people had released eps or singles and stuff uh-huh. but these are like the debut albums there's something about you know a band's first album that is just so special because yeah they get better and better at making albums as time goes on they get better at writing songs they get they get better at playing music and that's why you know you keep following them and seeing everything they're doing but there's a certain spirit and feeling and just bravery and trial sort of feeling um trying stuff that goes into a first album that just cannot be replicated um it's it, it's a it's a one you know you can never make your first album again obviously yeah. um, but because of that because it is your first because you're putting yourself out there in this way for the first time this is your this is your first attempt um you know you've been writing songs for years now you're going to collect them and, and, and go into a studio and or have your friend over, in the case of this album have your friend over and and uh and have them help you record it Right. <laughs> um, it, it just it creates like a almost like a liveness, um, mm-hmm. and it, it's like a documentary kind of uh, sense when it's as lo-fi a, as this. I mean, but this also this is lo-fi, but it but it also sounds really good. Um, and you know, there's also the fact that this has to do with you know, it's got a drawing of, of Gumby on the front. Gumby is a big deal for for Flavor Basket. Charlie was a huge, huge fan of Gumby, um, among other you know pop culture icons um, and food. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a frequent topic in Flavor Basket yeah. songs. <laughs> uh, you know, for people that don't know, um, you know, Flavor Basket it was just really uh, was an extraordinary songwriter um, who influenced a lot of people and who has a lot of fans in Ames. Is really not known outside of of Ames uh, and didn't play that much outside of, of Ames, but in Ames played a ton, played in a whole bunch of bands um and made music under the name under under the name flavor basket and was super super prolific as flavor basket um and um but not only prolific but just extraordinary songwriting again we're coming we're going to come back again and again to this you know this this high quality lyrical songwriting Mm -hmm. and you know for ames you know flavor basket is is just way up there and he is extremely creative uh clever funny um, and, uh, you know, ha- has phrases and words and songs that you will hear nowhere else, things that you could never think of that, um, you know, just, just come, seem to come naturally for him. He had a poetic ability, um, that seemed pretty, pretty inborn to him, pretty natural. Um, and he's also a huge music fan, constantly listening to music and, and a big fan of great songwriting as well. Um, you know, musically I've, I've described his music, uh, before as being kind of like, a uh like british invasion folk punk mm-hmm. um because yeah he has yeah. a lot of you know 60s and not only british invasion, but just 60s pop and rock and roll influences are you can really hear that in his melodic sensibility um but it's very folk punk in the sense that you know he's he's uh banging away on, on acoustic guitar a lot of times and not but also playing very gently sometimes finger picking being he's also a melodic player um, however, his attitude, I think, is pretty punk, and his singing style is definitely very punk influenced. He's a big fan of the Ramones and first wave uh, punk bands like that, um, and pop punk as well. Um, and you know, so he has really, really good mix of influences. But when it comes out of him, it's something that is totally not derivative at all. It's mm-hmm. very, very distinctive, and it is very particular to him. Um, and it is just really strong. And some of his best uh, songs are on here on his first album. And you've got A Time Before Pockets, Watching TV Without You. Um, let's see, we've got Astronaut Farm, one of my favorites of his. It's a Mess, which I'm going to talk about a bit more. Uh, you've, got, you've got songs that are about Ames people, 
uh, that that only people from Ames would, would know these people or no references in here, like the Blizzard of Boz, Marlo Polo, Good Morning Walter. There are references to Ames locations like Lincoln Swing and Beetle, um, which is a <laughs> he mentions that corner uh, in mm-hmm. at least two songs. Um, and yeah. I, he, I, I believe that he lived um, in, in an apartment on that corner. Um, and that's also just a great phrase that makes it into a song to Lincoln. You know, I used to I used to reside on Lincoln Swing and Beetle. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, so you've just got, oh, Cash Dogs, um, Fruit Loops and Hula Hoops. So, oh, oh, and I cannot not mention this. One of his very, very best songs, The Crawl Spaces of Love. Oh, yeah. And um, actually, let's play a little clip from The Crawl Spaces of Love here real quick. Awesome. Total snake gets a hand job. I mean, the cross spaces of love. Have you seen a different side of ups and downs? Have you crawled through the window panes of love? Have you seen a different side to you and me? Have you crawled through the cross spaces of love? Every time I see your face at night. Fills me up all fucking full of fright Can we please go dancing tonight? I swear to God I'll show you the light So yeah, I mean, pulling this back out was just so fun. And um, since we have the Flavor Basket songbook, um, my son was uh, reading the lyrics in the songbook while the while the music was playing um on the cd player and he was just you know and i i you you have no idea how many hours i spent as a teenager just reading lyrics while listening to music um <laughs> and so just like seeing how just genetic you know that interest is um but it's, it's also so cool just like um for you know i was reading like the lyrics of like uh the stuff that i was into as a middle schooler you know i mean you know i i won't even i won't even mention what bands i was doing but he's listening <laughs> to me but he is you know reading the lyrics of flavor basket you know and i think in in, in my kids minds flavor basket is probably like approximately equivalent uh to like david bowie or something because like i'll play those things back to back you know yeah um that's and, that's super cool yeah <laughs> And they know these lyrics inside and out. I mean, we, we play songs from the Flavor Basket songbook um, every day. I mean, that's just part of their, that's just like literally every day. Um, so they know, they know this music. They, they know it really well. Um, I will admit that I've substituted certain words for other words. Um, in some of the, <laughs> that's good parenting. Um, right. <laughs> However, I've, I've only made the changes in pencil. And when they're old enough, I'm going to erase it all. And then they'll have the complete and unexpurgated uh, flavor basket song, but um, no, but but uh, you know, I I, I listened to um, to uh, all of uh, Flavor Basket's albums um, when I was deciding which one to pick. You know, there's I Hate mm-hmm. which I'm holding in my hands, which I love. I just listened Passive to that Ways. this morning. Oh, nice! I was yeah. doing, I was running errands. And I listened to I Hate and and there's a version of Crawl Spaces of Love on that album too. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and as long as yeah, as well as yeah, a bunch of his best. I mean, My Lord Savior. Um, Fred from Outer Space, which is one I recently learned how to play, and that's a really fun one. Um, Passageways, which is another one that I really love, and uh, you know, I think my favorite of his albums is actually uh, Artificial Flavor. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, and that's the one I've listened to the most. Yeah, that that that's a certified, you know, Ames Club. You got to have that. And, yeah. um, that that's that's just a one of a kind. I mean, it's triple album, uh, and that's 
you know, I, I think you mentioned before, you know, that that's the bulk of his, you know, that, that that's the biggest selection of his music and really yeah. representative. But I just, but this one just captured me because when I got to the track number 11, it's called It's a Mess. And, you know, this song is mostly um, Charlie acoustic, but um, uh, Wally Neal uh, plays on it as well, plays some drums, does some vocals, and also uh, Lydia MJ sings, uh, who is a great uh, artist and songwriter in her own right, um, also uh, sings on, on this album a little bit and has a prominent part in this song, It's a Mess. And um, there's a part of the song where it's suddenly, again, we're talking about time signature change because Flavor Basket, like, you know, in a different way than, Flavor, than uh, Frank and Nixon, uh, definitely in a much different way musically, but similarly mm -hmm. is progressive. I mean, changes it up during a song sometimes and just completely changes, you know, the song into a different place and then doesn't look back or, you know, throw something out, you know, as kind of a one-off and it never recurs, you know, it just has this ability to just change modes. And that happens in, uh, in It's a Mess where suddenly um, we're in three, four time and it's a round. Um, and there's like, there's, there's a, uh, Lydia and Wally are doing this round it's like I live under the ocean and I live under the sea and then Charlie comes in singing on top of the round he's like something will keep us together and there's this great you know he's like uh, your lipstick uh, lasts forever your merry weather never creases and just like these amazing lyrics and stuff <laughs> and um and uh and when I listened to it this time um putting it on uh it was just so special because I was brought back to the first time that I that I listen to this album and I, I could suddenly remember being in my kitchen making food listening to this flavor basket album and when this song came on i was just so wowed because it's, it's it's just such a beautiful moment such a musical moment and it just showed me what you know it, it just introduced me to flavor basket as a recording artist you know yeah. because uh, you know it's this is uh you know a, a lot of this is uh you know really good performances of uh you know his song solo which you're able to see him do live but then the fact that he also wanted to put some stuff in here that is you know specific to a recording session stuff that yeah. you know takes some some composition and he went on to do a lot more of that in the rest of his career and he really there's a lot of payoff for that um for that ability but while he also keeps it really stripped down in lo-fi which i love about him i love that all of his music is um is is really rooted in in just underground sound you know mm -hmm. and and uh you know his his albums get better and better in terms of recording quality but there is that that nice um lo-fi homemade feeling all the way through even though they do they do sound really good mm -hmm. um in that cool lo-fi way um but but so that was special remembering that because that you know that really was such a cool thing from the first time that i heard that song but then not only that but um uh my kids totally picked up on that part of the song and they learned how to do the round which we <laughs> hadn't made it to rounds yet um in That's their awesome. musical education like like they they learned um because they learned how to do that then we taught them uh london or not london bridges but um uh merrily merrily life is but a dream row 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 your boat, boat. Yeah, you know yeah. like but but they uh, I mean they knew they knew row your boat but they hadn't done it as a round. Um, the, they learned how to do rounds from the song "It's a Mess," and um, it, you know and it's it's really cool because I mean there's you kind of have to like it it takes some mental work to do that because you have to kind of separate what you're doing. You can't listen too much to other people or else you're gonna you know start singing what they're singing. You're supposed to sing what you're singing and and then it's how it all blends together that makes it special. That takes some you know that that, that takes some work. But when they heard Charlie do it they were just like, they got it, you know, they, they yeah, totally wow. got it. Um, and so now we, you know, I play it on the piano and they do the round and I sing the, uh, I sing the Charlie part on top of that. Something will keep us together. And it just sounds so cool. And, um, <laughs> and yeah, just, 
this out, man, I could just go on and on about Flavor Basket all day. Like I've written about him in a few different places and I'm, and I'm just going to keep talking about him and, and writing about him because, you know, the more time that I spend with the music, the more amazed that I am. I mean, his yeah. stuff is fucking good. And just, he really just crushes good. me. Yeah, man. It's like, like, cause huh. I always realized that he was funny as hell. Like his stuff is just fundamentally very, very playful and funny. Yeah. But, but man, like his just, you know, he, now that I'm like spending more time with it on a songwriting level because of the songbook and just looking more at the lyrics, he just he is just so impressive and so crushing and heartbreaking and just yeah. just amazing that he that he came up with all this stuff. And then he's his this is kind of an Ames thing. Like his presentation is like very humble. You yeah. know, it's just like he's not he's not like, hey, look at me, like I'm great at writing songs. He just stands up there, writes the songs. They were good songs, moving on with life, you know? But then when you sit down and you you actually look at them and you actually listen to them and think about them yeah. and see the technique that he was just that he just had, you know, um and, yeah. and also worked on a lot by writing so much is just incredible and just Ames ha only has so many of people like this that have made hundreds and hundreds of songs yeah. and have so many of them recorded so well um, in such a short period of time yeah and you know it's such it, it, it's just such an irreplaceable you know loss that he's gone yeah but what it is. but what exists is just so I'm so grateful for it and people like Wally who I believe I believe Wally recorded um, Gumby's Not Dead, um, and if, I, I hope mm -hmm. it, he can correct us if I'm wrong. But um, but uh, I think but, that's but, right. You know, yeah, yeah. So people people like Wally and uh, Lindsay Nissen and uh, you and Rachel and Matt Dake of Nova Labs, um, people who you know made these you know made it so that these great songs turned into great albums. Oh, I can never be so. And then obviously Charlie's brother, Mark mm -hmm. Vestal, for um for putting together the Flavor Basket songbook. I am just so grateful and just like I, I cannot get over this music. I mm -hmm. I just have never stopped listening to this, um, and it just gets better and better. So yeah. go back to where it all began. If you don't know this one, this is self-released. And anyway, I got to yeah. mention one more thing about it. There's an insert in here, Brian. Yeah. And it's an it's an elf trading card. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most Charlie thing ever. <laughs> yes. If, if, if you'd never knew Charlie, yeah. you, you now understand. Um, there is an insert that is an elf trading card. And now you know why you're a fan of this band. Um, yeah, that, that is just, huh. it doesn't get more flavor basket than that. Yeah. It, it, this is so special. It was made by the person, you know, this was huh. made by Charlie. This was glued together by Charlie. Just like you're saying with the, you know, with the Joe Terry album, how inspirational yeah. it is just to to see how good something so underground, so lo-fi can be. Man, that, that's what that's what um, underground music is all about. What's your feeling about Charlie and Flavor Basket? Oh, I, I love all of it. I listen. I still listen to it to this day, too. And I, I think uh, the thing that I like about it, one of the things that strikes me a lot is uh, when I first heard his songs, I, I, you know, I got the playfulness and everything. And there was a side of me that thought, oh, there's there's a lot of throwaway lines and stuff like that. Mm. And over time, the more I've listened to it, I realize that they're not throwaway lines yep. and that there actually is a, an enormous amount of depth. And, and, yep. that, and now over time, after absorbing all of that, I've come to realize that's the magic of his music. You can enjoy it at different levels. You can, you know, you can like be like, oh, I'm in a goofy mood. I'm going to listen to a Charlie song. Or you can be in a sad mood and listen to a Charlie song and it will and it will resonate equally, you know, on either level. And that's that's nuts. That's 
that's amazing. Oh, There's... oh it's incredible. I mean, and it's, you know, it, it's like he puts the two things together. He does it at the same time. Right. You know, it's not yeah. like, it's not like those are even two different songs. Yeah. You know, um, like you can, you can have the goofiness and the charm and the, the playfulness um, in the same song that, that uh, makes you cry. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's just, it's just amazing. Like, and I think that's really where artificial flavor is probably has its greatest strength is that it has, um, it has that that um, range of songs and that range within songs. Yeah. Um, I think I think that might be best rec- best represented on um, artificial flavor, which the you know the triple LP that people should definitely check out, which is a you know a, a landmark album frames, uh, and just you know an artist that that is so so special to to the yeah. community and, and just always will be. And, um, you know, and, and a mystery, you know, how, yeah. how did he do this? So where did this talent come from and why? And, you know, it's just, <laughs> there, there's something about this that is just so, yeah. I don't know, he's just mysterious and intriguing to me. And it's because of, you know, like, like you mentioned, the, uh, that ability to, to seem totally joyful and playful and like you're tossing these things off, but then to, to at the same time in the same song, be having this deeper level of just coherence and interest and insight um that you know that only comes out with attention i think yeah that that leveled uh th- that leveled experience with listening is something that really only happens with great songwriters yeah yeah within one song you can think you know you know what yeah, hot dogs are pretty tasty and also mortality <laughs> is important you know <laughs> <laughs> You know, that, that's, well, like, that's a weird juxtaposition, but like, it's like, yeah, both of these things are true. <laughs> absolutely. And, 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 you know, and both things happen in life. I mean, the, the, you know, <laughs> while it, in every town, every day, while one person is laughing, someone else is crying. You right. Know? And mm-hmm. like that, that's, that's the reality of life. But usually like music kind of like gives us one or the other. Um, but he really crashes these, these things together in a way that wakes you up. And, um, and yeah, it's, just really and i just think people in general who are just into lo-fi music and just just outsider art um i just feel like they're th- this artist is still waiting to be discovered by people outside of ames mm-hmm. um you know there's th- someone is going to look like a genius when they like like someone who writes for you know what a consequence of sound or pitchfork or someone is something is going to discover this artist at some point and they're going to look like a genius as if they discovered it right um <laughs> because but it's been waiting out there um Yep. It's just lingering, waiting for someone uh, better known to discover it and spread the word. And then mm-hmm. if people, if people get turned on to this, they're going to discover this is the incredible death. However, that being said, I think a lot more people would like it. But if you're from Ames, if you know these people that he's writing about, if you know these these uh, personalities, and if you have seen his actual smile in your life, mm-hmm. then this music is is just it just makes it even funnier, even more heartbreaking, even more winning and beautiful. Yeah. Um, and it's just his personality is so much in the music it, it, it's so yeah. m- more than almost anybody that i can think of it, like his he is his music i mean it's yeah. he's right there it, it's amazing how close his presence is and i think that how lo-fi this is it makes it like a documentary you know it, like mm-hmm. we were saying earlier it's like like i think we're i can't remember what we were talking about just mentioning that of like oh yeah with just with first albums how you know and because it's lo-fi, like you're in the room with the person and, you know, it's, it's like footage, you know, it's like found footage. Um, and there's just, yeah, it's it like- has that, it has that quality of just personality and just originality that the, the individual who made this is so present. And then in the songs, 
in his songwriting and in his melodies, you get such a sense of, of, of what he was about. And it's just, it's just such a lovable, such a wonderful person, you know, a person who really loves music and just reflects music so much. Yeah, it's like field recordings of his life. Totally, man. <laughs> That's kind of like totally. what his catalog and, and is. End of, of Ames' life, you yeah. know, and just, and just these underground, just these people that are mm-hmm. part of the underground music scene and, uh, and just these, these places and, and, and jokes and situations in, in one town, but, you know, mm-hmm reflecting them into music and just makes them eternal. I remember you mentioned the ALF trading card uh, that, that, that jogged this memory. Uh, one time I was doing the dishes and all of a sudden I saw Charlie ride his bike up in front of my house, jump off his bike and the bike fell on the ground and he ran up to my door and rang the doorbell. And so I answered the door and he, he handed me a Star Wars comic and he goes, I knew you liked Star Wars. So I got you this comic. Have a great day. And then... <laughs> <laughs> That is so awesome. <laughs> and then he ran, got on his bike and pedaled off. And I was like, thanks, Charlie. <laughs> oh, man, that is so awesome. I love that. You know, he was a huge collector of pop culture, things like yeah. that. He also gave me a comic book um, that was a uh, Ninja Turtles uh, yeah, comic Ninja book. <laughs> and or, actually, that might have been after he passed that um, one of his friends gave me that. The one that he gave me was actually a Ren and Stimpy comic book. Now I'm remembering. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, he was he was a huge collector of like memorabilia. He just loved pop culture. Um, and especially just like eighties and nineties, um, pop culture items. And, but when it came to music, I mean, he was a real like sixties and seventies guy. And you, when you listen to his songs, it's just like, um, like I said, he's not derivative. He doesn't sound like something. It's just that it had, it gives you that something that in the melodic sensibility, it gives you that feeling of just like the kinks or, you know, Mm -hmm. or like, you know, something that it just has that just perfect pop feeling you know he's just one of these people who like pulls melodies out of the clouds and it's just so cool that you know and you can see this all over gumby's not dead as well as his other albums um his ability to introduce like one of those just gorgeous melodies and then just move on you mm-hmm. know uh, yeah and just, whenever he does that i'm just like man that's just the, it takes a lot of subtlety to do that because if i like as a songwriter if i happen across one of those like heavenly melodies i'll just i'll just like i'll play it for five minutes in a row as the song is fading out you know like i i'm a, i'm a i am a maximalist when it comes to that um I don't, but but you know he just you know it just that's what makes it seem like it's easy you know i don't think it necessarily was easy right. but it makes it seem like it was easy when he just puts the stuff out there that is just so on the money melodically and then he's he can go to to another one and it's just as good yeah. and within the same song and it's just like damn it's just yeah, I remember yeah. talking to one of his friends, you know, um, who was like, uh, was who was who was a really good songwriter too, really really good. Um, they were telling me about, how, <laughs> you know, they were just like kind of bummed because whenever you know, like they were playing a song stroke, they would pass around the guitar, and it's like you know, play a song, put their heart on the line, and then you know, like it's Charlie's turn, and just everybody just would respond so much more to Charlie's music, which <laughs> yeah, it's like, and I remember just we just, and he wasn't even bitter about it. It was just like that's what happens. I mean. That is when you write songs that just make people feel this good, that just sound this great. Yeah, I mean, he, he's just that guy, you know. It's yeah, uh, and because yeah, he's he's just special that way. And people knew that when he was alive, people realized like this is awesome. But it was a small group of people, and I hope that you know more and more people um, 
will discover his music and just the people who know it just i know that they're i know that everyone who loves him is keeping his music alive um and just you know like yeah. we're, we're both talking about how like we listen like you literally listened to i hate death.com today right <laughs> right right <laughs> like, I, i've already played flavor basket songs on the piano with my kids today like within <laughs> within this day like we we play this music every day and you know and i know that um, so many of his friends in, in Ames do. Um, so, so keep it up, pull this one out. This is his, his huh. debut, but listen to his whole catalog. And if you don't know this artist, um, you know, get into it now because, uh, because yeah, he's, he, he's just one of those. It's, it's worth Iowa your time. Treasures. Yeah. 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 Cool. I think, uh, just in the interest of time, I'm going to take my last two picks cause they're kind of related and just kind of collapse them into one. Uh, okay. I've got two, uh, albums that came out on, uh, the great Iowa label, uh, trailer records, um, oh, yeah. out of, out of Iowa city. Um, the first one is, uh, I, it's the second BJ Fleming album. Um, and this is the oldest album on my list and it might be the oldest album on all of them. This came out in 2000. Um, so this might be our earliest one on, for this, for this podcast anyway um and this album is is pretty nuts because it has a uh, trailer records uh was like the premier um like sort of like folk and americana label in iowa um and, and i don't think anybody's really replicated it at the level that they were at since um uh but bj fleming she moved to iowa from uh from the south and was embraced because she had a, a lot of like folk and blues influences um so she was embraced by this label and and they ran the label a lot like a family um it's sort of like a the americana version of bi-fi records i guess where like everybody that was associated with the label would kind of like hang out and help each other on their albums and stuff and on on this one this is a uh, navigating limbo uh the eight trailer 18 is the the catalog number on it and like boat the great bo ramsey who like has gone wow. on it has done amazing things he plays guitar on this uh dave moore who's a very significant songwriter mm -hmm. and player out of iowa city and uh, mm -hmm. dave zolo who ran the label trailer records um he plays on it and, and produced it as well um it's uh and, and and this is such a great every song on it is really good because bj's just such a you know, uh, a crafts crafts person of, of, of great songwriting. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. There, but there are a couple highlights are, uh, um, there's a song called your love is a car, uh, <laughs> which, which I think is great and is the most atypical thing that, uh, that you would expect from BJ if you knew much, much, much of her songs. Um, uh, but it's a super rocking tune and it has some crazy guitar tone stuff on it. Um, and then she has another song on this album called I Am a Diamond Anyway, which was a co-write with uh, David Zolo. And I'd put that up there as being an Iowa classic in terms of songwriting as well. Um, I uh, This has a lot of special memories for me because BJ is a very good friend of mine. Um, and uh, so meeting her and uh, uh, when I first met her, um, I didn't know that she was the songwriter that she was. Um, she actually played bass in a band I was in. And, um, and I just thought she was very charming and I really liked her a lot. Uh, and she would make references to like playing music and stuff like that. But I thought it was just like the way that, you know, people do, like, oh yeah, yeah. I play a little bit and stuff, you know, whatever. Um, and when I found out that she had these albums out and that, and what an incredible songwriter she was and the reputation she had across the country and stuff like that, I was like, holy shit, why are you playing bass with us? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and and so we got to be really good friends after that. I had a chance to play guitar with her and and stuff, and just you know, it became like 
I went from being like a friend to like a super fan to being like sort of a super friend kind of a thing, <laughs> which is like a weird, weird sort of thing. And, and we're, we're still very close to this day. I still like, you know, talk to her quite a bit. She lives in Columbus, Ohio now and has lived there for the last decade. Uh, at one point we went on vacation with uh, her and her partner, Jackie to Texas. One of the songs on uh, navigating limbo is called Marion. Um, and I got to meet this, the person that Marion is about. She lived out on this uh, um, way out in the middle of nowhere at this really beautiful Gothic house that had uh, like deer skulls and things nailed to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and Marion was a, a server at this restaurant um, and live music venue that BJ used to play at and work at um, where she used to hang out with Towns Van Zandt. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and people like that, she, uh, BJ has like the best rock story. She went to Woodstock and, you know, and, um, her ex-husband wrote one of the songs on Kenny Rogers, the gambler album. And, oh. uh, and just like, you know, so many things, but she, she would not tell you that up front. <laughs> no, <laughs> she's, she's not somebody who brags at all. She's very humble no. and she's always, yep. she's always more interested in what you have to say and, and, and about what's going on with you. And, and so it took me years to discover these things about her. Um, but she's, she's the real deal. Uh, and, oh yeah, and there's another song on this album I like a lot called uh, "Make the Boys Like Me," um, which is charming <laughs> and biting at the same time, which I love. It's a you know, and the main lyric it is, is uh, "I can make the boys like me, but I can't make myself like them." <laughs> <laughs> and that's just like that's like classic songwriting with a turn yeah. of a phrase there. Um, and, uh, and, and it's, and it's really well produced too by, um, a guy, Victor Sanders is a producer in Chicago and he produced this album. Um, hi- highly recommend it. Check that one out. And then my other pick, uh, is uh, brother trucker who are also on trailer records and their, their album regulars. Um, and this is uh, trailer records number 24. Um, so like still fairly young in, in that um, thing. and this is also produced by this, this album came out a year later, 2001 and is also produced by Dave Zolo and Bo Ramsey also plays guitar on it a little bit. And, uh, and mostly if you've heard of brother trucker, um, or heard any of their music, uh, I don't, I don't have a whole lot to say about them. They're just incredibly super solid songwriting all the way through. And the thing that makes this album stand out to me is it's, uh, populated with characters that you feel like, you know, um, and, and mostly Iowans. I mean, they're, they're writing about, um, all these characters. Um, one of my favorite songs on this is Dottie's all night diner. And so it's just like a character study of all of these characters at the diner. And in my head, they're always like people in Iowa at an Iowa diner. Um, and, and, and I just love songs like that. I think that, I think those are difficult songs to write about is like, you know, where you, where you create these characters and have them, you know, put them into action in, in within the lyrics and stuff like that. There's something magical about that. That's like, uh, that's like what a novelist does. And, uh, and when people write songs and can, and get to that level of songwriting where it's like novel levels of songwriting, um, I'm always impressed by that. Um, so, so I think both of those records are really good. I, 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 both these CDs, I've had them for years. Um, I have all of BJ's CDs, and I've got most of the Brother Trucker ones. Um, some of them are kind of hard to find now. Like, their first CD is very difficult to find, and I looked on eBay for it at one point. It's like $40 on eBay now, so <laughs> probably probably going to have to hold out on that one. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> really, really good artists. And, you know, um, Trailer Records, I'm glad, we're, I'm glad we're mentioning that as well because – uh yeah that that's another you know whole you could do an entire episode about trailer records yeah um, you could <laughs> yeah and, and that just goes to show i mean that's what we're talking about like in in iowa music it's so 
it's so specific yes it's so small but at but within that smallness it's so vast that um you know there, there's just an incredible amount to explore in in all directions that you look and you know that's for for the physical media blog that's just what we love so much is just that feeling of infinity when it comes to art you know there's just everything you learn about teaches you about a hundred more things that you want to learn about um and just following those trails is so exciting. And um, yeah, BJ, she, you know, she's she's a really inspirational artist, you know, for me as well. And I just I really look at her as a mentor. Um, you know, she's been so um, encouraging, and mm-hmm. you know, to to have you know that encouragement, you know, from someone who, like you said, it has been you know so has done so much great work has been around so many talented people um and it's just had a front row seat to you know so much of of, um, so many great moments in music history um just means so much coming from you know something you know and that she lives in town and she's actually interested in the local music and stuff and yeah uh, it's just just so awesome and a big deal for me was um you know checking out her cds from the ames public library and you know it's just so cool uh the reason that's that that's just such a big deal is just the idea of you know just flipping through you know just being like okay let's see uh you know going past uh you know if going past Bela Fleck and then finding BJ Fleming you know yeah. uh, <laughs> and just having those two things being uh right up against each other um is just so significant it, it just it puts um local music in conversation with music generally and the kind of like with what we were talking about with you know playing Flavor Basket and David Bowie you know back to back and just creating that um creating that sensibility that yeah i mean music is you know good music you know great music can be made right here um and so uh you know i, I just bj is a really big deal for that for Ames. with i i really love brother trucker too and actually um i uh first uh was introduced to him also to andy um through uh through bj too and they're mm-hmm. they're good friends and um yeah, always been really impressed uh, by by his songwriting, but I do need to get into his recorded music more. Um, and I'm really glad you brought that up. Yeah, their records are good. Their live shows are always just phenomenal. They, they, they really get, good. They get people dancing, and they're they're a, they're a really great band. Everybody that plays in that band is a is a fantastic musician. Um, and they they'll jam out sometimes, and I and I just get lost in it. And you know, it's like that. They're really good. Yeah. Well, and like you mentioned with the with their uh, album regulars of just uh, creating these these characters who become, you know, real people that you uh, th- that you're that you're learning about and coming to know just in the short space of a song. That's a really good um, you know, I'm a really big fan of that kind of songwriting as well. And that's a good transition into um, the next album that I'm going to talk about and a band that does that extraordinarily well. And they and again, I'm talking about I believe this is their first album. I think they had one release before this, but I, I think it was an EP. I, I, I might, that might not be a hundred. I, I think that's right. Um, but, uh, but this anyway, was a very early really uh, re- recording from them from 2005. This is dispatch by the lonely hearts. And um, I am a huge fan of the lonely hearts. I, I list, this is another one that I listen to really consistently, um, you know, and, or I've listened to this band really consistently um, since I first got into them. And this was the album of theirs that, you know, really, really hooked me and really got, uh, really got me into them. I, I, I got this album long after it had come out. Um, but it was, but still, it was the first one of theirs that um, that I really got sucked into. And like with what you were saying with the Brother Trucker album, um, and having that novelistic quality, you know, um, just that that act, that really good characterizations going on in the lyrics. That is something that the Lonely Hearts are really, really strong in as well. Um, you know, I, I really approach their albums like short story collections. 
mm-hmm. um, because you know they're they're That's just cool. Yeah, and they're they're so um, there's a very literary quality to their lyrics, and also you know they they uh, like on this album Dispatch, um, they have you know really clear not only really clear characters but really clear settings. And, and and you know where the, the character is um, physically, uh, where they're speaking from, uh, where where they are when they're speaking, and these fictional locations are really well drawn out, and they're all over the country. I mean, there's like the opening song takes place in Florida. There's a reference to um, driving through Iowa. Um, there's a song that takes place in Nevada. There's references to upstate New York. Um, there these songs take place all over the United States. It's like a geographic, um, you know, panorama. And they 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 really sell these these characters and these circumstances um, really well. Um, you know, the, these are characters who are kind of uh, in desperate situations sometimes, or they are uh, they are political activists, or they're people who have been uh, being pushed too far. There, there's people who are. Uh, well, like the band is called the Lonely Hearts. There's people who are, are lonely and and um, separate. People who have lost someone or lost something. The, and the the overall all feeling that I kind of get from the Lonely Hearts is like, or, or from their characters, um, and this this is speaking broadly, but just this is just like a general feeling um, from over their albums is like, you know, people these speakers in their songs that these these characters they kind of have a feeling that something is wrong, something is fundamentally wrong, and in the song they're kind of getting to what it is. They're they're, they're trying to figure out what it is. Um, you know, none of their songs actually say those words. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a very subtle, very, very literary band. Um, but that's what I get from them. It's almost like Raymond Carver kind of characters. Um, and um, there's just such a great use of language in, in their songs. And the, the, the characters are drawn so carefully and so beautifully. Um, like, I, let me just give one example, because like the, this has an insert as well with all the lyrics, uh, which I love. Um, and this is a band where, you know, you can you can read their lyrics and they can give you chills. Like you can read these words on the page and, and it stands up you know, as 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 poetry or as as written words, nice. um, which, you know, there, there's great lyrics that if you read them without the music, it doesn't have the same emotional impact, it just doesn't sound right as just words. It has to be sung or whatever. And that's great songs. That's great songs. That's Bob Dylan songs and stuff. Right, yeah. Um, yeah I'm, uh, but um but then there's, you know, there's, there's just a certain approach to writing that they have um, where, you know, th- these are songs, you can just read these words. Um, but yeah, like, uh, okay, let me, for the example, I'm going to give you um, this from this song. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce the title. I think it's Intazaki Nelson or something like that. Um, I'm sorry if that's, if that's not right. Um, but, you know, it sets up this character where, um, you know, this is all being slowly revealed through details. This isn't, you know, this isn't set up like, you know, uh, in, in a um, in a declamatory way, but um, uh, you know th- this character is uh, is someone who okay he he was um, he he did something dumb and ended up being uh, in jail at the same and while he was in jail uh, his best friends were deployed to Afghanistan and they never came home and um, now he he's reflecting on that and at the same time he's trying to quit drinking. So these are all things that are just coming out. Like these are really specific things that we're just slowly, slowly learning about this character. Um, so now, but I wanted to read this, uh, this segment of the lyrics. So keeping that in mind, okay. Um, you know, uh, 
their families hold my survival against me and I hold their religion against them. And I hold my jacket against myself like an army blanket on a plane of wounded personnel. And it doesn't seem right to go without cocktails on a bereavement fair flight. I mean, it's just, wow. you know, they, they've got, yeah, they've just got <laughs> these awesome phrasings, this awesome flow of words. Um, and both of these songwriters, Andre Perry and John Lindenbaum, um, Andre Perry is someone who a lot of people in, in Iowa will know um, as the director of the Mission Creek Festival, which is really the best, um, the best books, the best programmed, um, you know, festival of its kind in, in, in Iowa. Mm-hmm. And he's also the director of the, uh, of the, Angler Theater, which is an historic uh, theater in downtown Iowa City that, you know, gets really premier talent. Um, so, yeah, he, he's a really well-respected, really good um, programmer and booking agent and an amazing writer and songwriter. And he's been in uh, in a few um, super good bands and um, including this one. And then John Lindenbaum, he lives in uh, in Colorado. So this is kind of an Iowa and Colorado band. I believe that they, they met in Iowa City. Um, and uh, I, I think I think that John might have gone to University of Iowa, and that's where they became friends. Um, but they've just continued to just make better and better albums. I mean, this uh, this is a great Dispatch is a great great album, but definitely their best albums are their two most recent ones. Um, uh, years in the great interior which is from a few years ago now and then uh, age of man and those are just like majestic those seriously mm-hmm. like they're, they're those are big um not 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 even not because they're bombastic or loud or anything but because just the songwriting and just you know they, they've just gotten they're just so locked in 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 their sound and in what they do together and how they complement one another um their yeah. their music is extraordinary and mm-hmm. i think a lot more people should should really check this band out i love them um and listening pulling this back out was really special uh the real great Sin- vocal harmonies too oh awesome vocal harmonies yeah awesome awesome singing and just awesome complimentary playing to you know with each other as well just uh it's pretty much all keyboards and um and acoustic guitar and vocals and they make a really big really um really emotional um somewhat melancholy um sound um you know it it and it's it's it has such a um such a depth of feeling in their music and it's just you know the 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 lyrics then you know really pay that off um and what really is still the deal for me with this song though or with this album when i decided to to pick this for one of my top five was when i put it back on to check it out i was listening along listening along and uh, then in the number in the third track on here, which is called Walk the Miles, I suddenly had a moment because um, for the past few years, I haven't listened to this album in maybe three or four years. And, um, you know, for the past few years, I've been having this melody come into my mind. And I, whenever this, I love this melody, whenever it would come into my head, I'd just be like, did I write this? You know, like, am, am yeah. I, is this from something? You know, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You've had that experience before. It's, um, it's like the Paul McCartney thing where it's like, he was asking everybody like, what's this like, you know, he wrote yesterday in a dream and he was like, did I, did I dream this? Did I write this? Did I, is this a song? Um, and that's what I was having like, and I just couldn't place it. I was like, I feel like this is from something, but I can't place it. Maybe I wrote it. I figured out how to write. I figured out how to play the melody on the piano. I was like, man, this sounds great. Um, but then when I listened to the, when I pulled out this album, I got to the song walk the miles and there's an instrumental interlude and that melody comes on and dude, it was like a weight was lifted from my shoulders realizing <laughs> because I was like, Oh, of course the lonely hearts that, that, that melody just captures my imagination. And so they have the ability to write this music that just lingers in your mind for years, even when you can't 
even when you don't realize that it was by them, you still remember it. You know, I've listened to thousands of songs in between, you know, the time when I last heard that and now, and it, it just <laughs> haunted me and stayed in my memory. And, um, so when that came on, I was just completely shredded. And I was like, yeah, I have to pick this album. I, I love this. And uh, yeah, and I've been playing that song, Walk the Miles on piano um, constantly since then. Um, and I, I just I just really, really like this band. Uh, this was released on DIY or else records. Um, and great name yeah, for a label. Re <laughs> yeah, really good name. And uh, yeah, The Lonely Hearts, you can find their stuff on online on Bandcamp. Um, and you can probably um, find some of their their albums to order as well. Definitely check them out. Um, I think they're they're a band that a lot more people should uh, should appreciate. And then for my final pick, I went again. We're we're building up with uh, like the songwriting, uh, the songwriting angle, and just these great great lyricists and great songwriters. Um, you know, this this is the pinnacle. I mean, uh, do we need a drum roll? I, what's that? Do we need a drum roll here? <laughs> yeah, can you please uh, edit in a drum roll right now? Um, do a little podcast magic. Um, yeah, and you know th this. If, for people that know me personally, this won't surprise them what I'm picking, um, because from the moment that we decided to do this topic, there was one album that I was like, well, I have to include that. Um, and it, and I've listened to it again, like with the Flavor Basket, um, we were talking about this is one that I've just always continued to listen to this, um, which has been 14 years I've been listening to this album pretty consistently, <laughs> and I love it more than ever. And I am talking about the all-time Ames classic from 2006 on the short-lived Barely Biased label. My number one pick, Kate Kennedy, Circle Spiral Line. Let's yes. play a little clip right here. Okay. Yeah, Brian, we've been talking about how, um, you know, we, we this is a getting to know us um, episode. And so we went with things that are really close to our heart, things that are really personal. Yeah, I, th this is the this is the most close to my heart and the most personal um, of, of any album. This is my favorite Iowa album. This is one of my favorite albums of all time. Um, you know, and I wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation with you if it wasn't for this CD, mm -hmm. um, because this is the artist and this is the album that got me into local music. Um, I mentioned before, I had gone to a few shows, um, you know, starting in uh, like 2005. Um, but then in 2006, I met this artist, Kate Kennedy, and I was completely, completely hooked um, and blown away by her music and by her performance. I just, I was just a huge, 
huge fan go went to all of her shows um and was just was just completely entranced by her guitar playing by her singing and more than anything else by her songwriting and her lyricism um this was just it came out at the, at the perfect time of life for me um and seeing her like you mentioned how you know seeing uh, pookie bloom or mm-hmm. uh was such a big influence or getting to meet evelyn or uh um you know seeing the joe terry uh super handmade super yeah. um diy up just the influence the, the impact that it has from knowing someone personally and then being inspired by that same person that's what that you know kate kennedy is that person to me i i did not really appreciate how um great local music could be i just was i just was not tuned into it um until i made this connection um and then uh you know, so I've been going to a bunch of her shows and everything, and I, I knew her music really well. But then when this album came out, um, I, I was just was completely, completely bowled over by it. Um, listened to it over and over um, and, you know, learned this, learned all this, the lyrics inside and out. Um, you know, Kate even told, taught me how to play the guitar. And the first two songs that I ever learned how to play on guitar were two songs from this album. Uh, sometimes circle becomes sometimes circles become lines, which is uh, somewhat of the title track, and uh, Firth of Clyde, which is my favorite song on this album. Um, you know, this was on a label called Barely Bias, um, and there's a guy uh, that a lot of people in Iowa will know uh, named Led Askland, and people know him. He's uh, was the longtime, or may- maybe he still is. I don't. I'm kind of checked out with things. I'm not sure what the Vaudeville Muse is doing right now. I assume they're kind of closed or barely open or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would assume that but, too, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, so our our hearts go out to them because they, yeah, they're, that's one of the most active music venues in anywhere in Iowa. Right, they yeah. have two shows a day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Lad has booked just thousands and thousands of shows. There, there's no question about it. Um, he and so every you know every band in Iowa has played there at some point. But for a short time, um, he also had a label, and he might have brought it back a few years ago and done like the Mantis Pincers tape, and maybe like oh, um, cool. might have done might have done something with Quick Piss. Like his brother is in the band Quick Piss, which is another really cool Iowa band. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did Quick Piss do something on Nova Labs too, or was that Seed of Something? Seed of Something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they, they had an album on uh, Nova Labs. Yeah, Quick Piss, uh, kind of a weird connection is uh, the drummer for Quick Piss, Jordan Brown. His uncle is Joe Kiplinger, who was in Frank and Nixon. Oh, uh, no way. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, holy cow. Yeah, just to connect the dots a little bit. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you meant that. I think I might have accidentally said Kiplinger. I'm sorry that I mispronounced that. Uh, Kiplinger. Oh. Um, Kiplinger. Um, sorry about that. Um, but yeah, that, that's awesome. I didn't. I never knew that. Yeah, Joran, uh, he's, he's a great musician in his own right. Check out the... Uh, uh, episode the podcast episode that Jordan Mayland recorded with Doran uh, a couple years ago. Um, awesome musician, but yeah, um, yeah, Seed of Something and Quick Piss are, are really, really cool bands. Um, but this label, Barely Bias, um, you know, they they uh, had a few bands on there. They're mostly Des Moines bands. There was uh, Why Make Clocks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Dan Hutchison um, uh, from from that band has done a lot, tons, tons, and tons of music. I um, mean, mm-hmm. also runs one of our favorite labels, Sump Pump Records, um, which I'm also a collector of, and I'm sure we'll get to those yeah. at some point. Um, so yeah, uh, Y Make Clocks was on this uh, label. There was a an alt country band called Left Is West. Um, there was a guy named Ross Nervig um, who had a really cool album. There was a band called Beate Paoli, and um, and then there there was Kate Kennedy Circle Spiral Line. Um, man. Uh, th- 
you know, and, and Lad would book these um, tours, like these weekend tours for um, for Kate uh, to go on. And, you know, when this album came out and, um, you know, that I got a chance to go and travel around uh, the Midwest with her, you know, just watching. I wasn't playing, um, but just watching her shows and checking her out. Um, and, you know, that was my first time ever, like traveling out, out of town to go see music um, and like seeing all these different DIY spaces and different communities and towns, meeting musicians from different places and just seeing Kate just shred and just people really respond to to her music i mean it, it was powerful and um yeah th this album you know it is it really to me it captures a certain time in life um that you know i, I was exactly in the same time of life uh you know <laughs> that when when i when i when this came out it's like you know and I hope I'm not misinterpreting here. This is just my, you know, take on things. But, um, you know, to me, these songs are really expressive of a time in life when you're like questioning a lot, questioning a lot of like received ideas. You know, um, you know, if you've been raised to always believe that, you know, certain thing is true and people are kind of always agreeing about that, everyone, you know, and then, you know, you get into your 20s, you start meeting new people, you start you know, reading a lot more books and, you know, seeing, getting new ideas and you start to call into question, you know, these received ideas and uh, you start to kind of come up with your own ideas and start to confront these questions and wonder, wait, maybe there's not just a, a quick and easy answer to all these questions like I was, you know, was always told. Mm -hmm. um, again, none of these, none of these actual words are in the album. Uh, this is, this is very subtle stuff, very personal stuff. But this I, is what I, I have kinda... the same experience with the record. I, I, I agree with you. I think that is, there's okay. a lot of that in there. Yeah. That's how yeah, I, that's how I experienced it anyway, too. So. Yeah. I mean, it's someone who's like a searcher, someone who's like a seeker and who's, and who's, you know, um, and who doesn't just want to, you know, take as true everything that's presented, you know, to them, but who instead wants to um, ask questions and come up with, you know, with their own ideas. Now, if you've been raised in, uh, you know, to always believe a certain way, you know, it, it takes a certain amount of, of just guts and, and bravery to break out of that and especially to express it in song, you know, and, mm -hmm. and that, and that feeling of just, of putting oneself out there um, and, uh, and, and expressing oneself is so much present in this album that just permeates this album there, there's just a feeling of just gutsiness and and going for it and um you know it, it's like <laughs> it's preserved in the performances and that's what makes this album so special it's like the vocal performances and the lyrics um and and the conviction and and the honesty um i mean i think people have maybe like described this as raw um not 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 because of music not musically it's not musically raw um but raw in the sense of like being just really real really really <laughs> present um and um you know it's not emo at all it, it's not yeah. like but 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 it is it has a lot of emotion in it because of of the way that she conveys these songs with her singing voice the singing on this album is beautiful yeah i i mean this is just so expressive, um, so again chilling. Like we were talking about, you know, with Holly and you know these these writers who can give you, you know, that visceral experience on that body level of like something that puts a lump in your throat or puts a tear in your eye or makes you feel goosebumps on your scalp or makes your heart start racing. You know, that's that's always your favorite music, or for me it is. Yeah. Um, and yeah, music fans, um, you know, know what we're talking about here. This album was so like physiological to me. This was yeah. so visceral and so cutting and chilling and um, 
spoke right to my heart. I remember um, walking uh, in Ames and singing the song Firth of Clyde um, out loud to myself um, around the time this album came out. And I was walking down the street in Ames, Iowa, singing a song by a local songwriter, tears streaming down my face, choking out the words, you know, to a local songwriter, <laughs> um, you know, and, and that I have never, I mean, I've had that experience since, but I had yeah. never had that experience before. And I cannot tell you how inspiring that was. That experience of being so blown away by the music of someone that I knew personally, that's what made me, that's what made me become a musician and a songwriter. And I never would have, that never would have crossed my mind. Uh, I never would have started down this path um, of, of of pursuing Iowa music and of being a musician and a songwriter if it hadn't have been for Kate and if it hadn't have been for this album. This opened up all those doors, and then being able to travel around with her and and going to you know seeing places around around the Midwest and different music communities. That's what opened my eyes um, so much to what was possible. And then you know Kate also started the Ames Progressive, um, which is we you know that's where I got my start in playing music and in booking shows. You know, Kate was the original booking agent of the of the Ames Progressive, um, and you know uh, she she helped establish the space. She was the first one to bring touring artists there and stuff. Um, so yeah, she had a huge huge impact on Ames, and it was an important time for that because yeah the the practice space and the Boheme, which are two venues that we've discussed uh, in this conversation, mm -hmm. they had both closed like at the same time. Um, yeah, the Ames uh, Progressive left. That was uh, a lot of people got their starts in the in the music community here in Ames. That uh, that's another one of those things. The influence cannot be overstated enough. Uh, I saw so many people first time at the Ames Progressive that later became really good friends and became or, or became acts that I followed for years afterwards and stuff like that. It's uh, um, it was a safe harbor for <laughs> for like creativity of every kind. Yeah, and 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 the same is true for me as well. I mean, that that was where Flavor Basket, um, you know, started mm -hmm. playing. He had played in other bands before that, but you know, under the name Flavor Basket, and so many others. And and you're right. And you know, it's it is because of Kate. You know, when when those venues closed, um, Practice Space and Boheme, you know, if there if there hadn't been artists in Ames putting out albums, there would have been no reason to have another DIY space. You know, it really took there being a, a great artist. Um, to have an impetus for having a space. And then once there was a space, then all these people came out of the woodwork. And like you're saying, so many bands started, so many friends were made, friends, people that I'm friends with to this day. Um, and, you know, it all came from, you know, Kate taking the impetus, you know, ha having the impetus to say, well, you know, we should have a music scene in Ames. We should have, we should have our own venue. We have to keep things going. Um, and, you know, she played the first show, uh, which, which ended up being packed and was one of the most amazing to this day is one of the most amazing shows that, that I've ever seen. And one of the most life-changing nights in, in my life was when, you know, Kate played the first show that, um, in the space that ended up becoming, uh, the Ames Progressive. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, I just, you know, I'm talking about all my personal connections to this because it's just so special, but I mean, I could also just talk for hours just about every single song on her. These songs mean so much to me. Um, you know, it opens with the song, uh, The Blues Are Exhausted, right from the very opening of this album. You know, she's immediately like, you know, uh, it, it's so self-reflective. She's like, no more minors, no more majors. Put down your guitars and rest your fingers. No more, no more structure, no more conclusion. Put down your novels and rest in confusion. You know, this idea of, well, first of all, just starting off on such a, like a self-reflective uh, note, that's just, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's just a, it's a really, really great song. It's like starting out your entire music career by saying like, put down your guitars. <laughs> it's just ingenious. Um, 
but but also just like you know uh, the the idea of like resting in confusion and accepting questions that's a big leap you know for someone who's always been you know when you've been raised in such a way of just like no one thing is true trust me it was like it's what you learn at church you know to suddenly (laughs) just be like no you know i'm not to get used to not having answers to questions and that ends up becoming a theme on the album and this idea of like resting um you know that also is in the uh brilliant song wrestle uh, which, you know, she, you know, points out that the word rest is right in the middle of the word wrestle. Mm-hmm. This idea of like being comfortable in struggle, being comfortable in this ferment of ideas and not having to have a clear answer. Um, wrestle is also an amazing song because it um, it has this uh, absolutely gorgeous dual flute mm-hmm. um, <laughs> arrangement that is one of the things that people always notice about this album. And like, that's probably, that might be the best known song from this album, Wrestle. Mm-hmm. Um and people should go check this out. It's been, you know, it's been covered by other Ames bands and stuff. Uh, when she has arrangements like that, um, it is so brilliant. It is so moving um, because, you know, the, the album again, like the uh, like the Flavor Basket album we were talking about, um, it's it's mostly you know guitar and vocals. Um, but when there is, but when there are arrangements, they're outstanding. Uh, like on Blues Are Exhausted, like at the end, she's got these awesome. Um, vocal harmonies and this tambourine comes in you know the footsteps or raindrops and the opening of the door is only wind there's just amazing uh refrain going on at the end of that song and then yeah the uh the flutes like we mentioned on wrestle and then there's also um the very last song uh the back flat is really cool almost like lullaby sounding song and she's got some accordion on there and um you know musically she is she is so incredibly talented she can learn any instrument she uh like on her albums she has played um clarinet flute accordion uh you know guitars bass um she's a piano player she can play drums um she can learn any instrument um oh she's an amazing tenor sax player um she was a you know she was in an award-winning um uh, jazz band when when she was in high school um she's an outstanding improviser she's played you know uh she she is just awesome at music just Mm -hmm. awesome she's one of these people who has music she just is fundamentally musical you know and she she has so much musical talent and um you know her albums have only gotten better and better i'm a huge fan of uh her penny hawk albums another layer and obviously sister bones which is probably her, her best album um but nothing can ever surpass circle spiral line for me um just because of the just the gutsiness, the, the the commitment, and these just incredible vocal performances that um you know just just show they they, they let you hear the person who made them you know they, they yeah. let you hear the humanity and the reality of the situation that they were recorded in it's almost like uh like we're talking how with holly um you know hearing her play the song stay um shortly after she'd written the song and how you know you feel how much someone believes in in their song you know um which is an amazing thing when, when you have that feeling that's what this album this whole album circle spiral line is like it, it's almost like these recordings were made on the day that she wrote the songs that's how they feel because there's just she really her heart is so much behind them and and because of that they hit your heart in such a direct and powerful way um you feel her you you are hearing her exploring her own mind and you're with her you know um yeah. you're, you're totally with her and it, and 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 it, it comes across in in the vocal performances again that's what it is the way that she sings these songs it, it, it's just it's the most beautiful thing in the world to me and to this day i just cannot get over this album i listen to it 
all the time. I know it inside and out. I know every lyric on this song. I've learned how to play a bunch of them. You know, they, they, it directly, this directly inspired me to start writing music, which, you know, maybe, people, if you heard my music, they might, you know, maybe some people are like, that's maybe you shouldn't have been so inspired, but, uh, but, um, no, I can never, I can never hold a candle to her, like on musicality or songwriting wise, but the inspiration that I took from her, that's, you know, I, I can never be, you know, be so thankful uh, because I wouldn't have met, all, I wouldn't have met you. I wouldn't right. have met, yeah, same. I wouldn't have met Charlie. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't know yeah. BJ. All of these things happened in my life because Kate, mm. um, in, you know, uh, because, because I became obsessed with this album. That's really what it is. And yeah. Uh man, I, I'm like sweating right now. I'm just so excited talking. About it. I can just go on and on and on. That's like I'm that's incredible. That's the best. <laughs> you know when I when I go on road trips, um, I'll just I'll take a day. Well, we just listen to this for the entire day, and like it, it's no complaints. You know, um, I I just can't recommend it highly enough. Um, and you know th this is this is what it's all about. Just finding these local artists who move you who can move you even more than the best artists yeah. you know than the best artists on the radio or the best artists from from music history or whatever it's like their their music is great there's no question about that but you can never know the person you can never have a conversation with with the person and get to know where they're coming from or hear the song you know within a week of when they wrote it or hear their very first recordings you know um that they made down the street from where you live that's what local music is all about and it's just to me and in my life it doesn't get any better than kate kennedy circle spiral line well what's your what's your history with this album brian uh this uh this was a biggie for me too it was uh we had just played uh, uh my friend jordan and i were we just started uh, an acoustic band called strong like bear and uh, we played acoustically at the boheme and uh and we ended up playing like the last show the last open mic at the boheme yeah. and afterwards uh Jordan and Kate were talking and then Jordan later said like, Hey, uh, Kate invited us over to her place. Uh, you know, will you go with me? And I was like, well, I, I don't know her very well or anything, but sure. And so we went over and had a great time talking to both Kate and you. That was really when the first time I really talked to you. And, uh, I remember. yeah. And then, uh, at the end of, uh, and, and basically Kate was saying like, well, the Boheme's gone, but like, uh, we, we want to start something new. We want to have an actual music community and we would like you guys, you know, like to be part of that community and let's uh, keep in contact and let's play shows and things. Um, and, and I think she was either had the idea for the progressive or like it was being executed along the way. I don't know where it was at, but in her mind, but she talked a little bit about that. And then, uh, and then she handed me a copy of circle spiral line. Um, very nonchalantly. I recall she was just sort of like, Oh yeah, I just finished making this CD here, you know, whatever. And then I got home, put it in. I was like, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, it's, uh, the music to me is it's very gentle music. Um, but and she sings in in a very fragile voice, and and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's like it's a it's a fragile voice which draws you in. But then what yeah. she's saying is not fragile at all. What she the yeah. the, the lyrics that she is uh, conveying are very strong lyrics and very questioning and very like uh, hey let's be critical thinkers about the world we're living in and uh, you know and not accept things at face value and 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 that's 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 an okay way to be. Um, 
you know, which so it's, it's pretty powerful music. Um, and it led to, you know, many years of friendship and, and, you know, and playing lots of shows and lots of good times and, and on and on. So, um, yeah, that, I have very strong memories with that record too. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're not alone too. Cause I've talked to a bunch of, um, of songwriters and like, the, some of the best songwriters in Iowa and um, a lot of people are a big fan of this album and, and remember this really fondly and um, yeah Kate is she's totally a songwriter songwriter um, and people who know a lot about you know songwriting and a lot about music um, know that they, they'll tell you like this this album is just is just a classic um, yeah just I didn't even linger as much on the lyrics um, which mm-hmm. you know, I, I just I just think that Kate is one of the most brilliant lyricists that I, that I've ever met. Um, she's blown me away so many times with with, with her words, and then adding the, onto that um, her ability as a guitar player and just composer, it, it's just amazing. Um, and yeah, and be sure to check out her uh, Penny Hawk stuff too. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this you know th- this is. This this is what it's all about, Brian. I mean, this is you know this is why we love this stuff. Just having these relationships with people over time, mm-hmm. and just mixing the relationships and the music. I mean, there the, there's no the, there's there's nowhere you can get that other than in local music. And we're just thinking so much about um, all of our musician friends. You know, so many people are out of work. Um, you know, pe- you know, pe- a lot of these people they they're professional musicians. I mean, they have to right. travel around and play music and sell music and stuff so um yeah that whole, you know, that, if you're... the whole thing has changed right now and it's uh oh, it's, it's it's very heartbreaking it's uh because yeah, i don't know if i mean is if there's a recovery from it or not at this point i mean there's there's i know there's some musicians that are being creative and finding alternate ways to uh survive um but i've, yeah. se- I've seen some people setting down their instruments basically at least temporarily and sometimes that's really hard to pick back up if you stop and you lose momentum as a musician uh you know creativity is like a shark you know if you don't keep moving forward it's uh it's very difficult to pick back up so i'm i'm definitely concerned for the future but um you know well and the other part of it too is that you know so much inspiration for music comes from other people and then that's what that's what this whole conversation has been about about how you know seeing witnessing what someone else is doing and how that makes you want to go home and be creative. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and so, you know, not only are musicians setting their instruments down and, and getting out, out of the habit of playing and playing in front of people and presenting new music, um, but they're also not having those experiences where they interface with other peers um, and colleagues and, and mm-hmm. other musicians and meet new people who can be new influences and new inspiration. Um, you know, every single thing that we've talked about here is all about like being in being in a certain setting in in the world in society, um, and uh, and encountering music in those situations and meeting the people. That's exactly what's not happening right now. And yep. it's it's you know we're talking about something that you know it's almost like we're talking about an ancient world. It's like hey, remember remember music? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's yeah like, and then also yeah you could you could just go out and get a hamburger and like you didn't have to worry about killing anybody by doing that uh, it, it was amazing yeah yeah <laughs> there was toilet paper there yeah there was everything like um i guess the toilet paper reference is a bit old now i think figured out um but uh but you know what i'm saying i mean yeah, yeah we're, we're we're talking in the midst of this of this pandemic and you know music isn't even i mean the the real casualty casualty is actual casualties you know um uh-huh. that's what is fucked up about this you know two hundred thousand people are, you know have died from this this is a this is going to go down as one of the worst times in ever in american history 
yeah. and 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 among the things that um is being lost um is something that you know is very particular to this podcast which is just local music you know mm -hmm. and it's just you know hopefully we can stir up some memories and create some feeling and love um for not only these artists that we've discussed today but just for the phenomenon of of local music um and just you know we want to tell all these people we love you we're listening to your music and you know this is only the this is only you know this is not even the tip of the iceberg there are so many more people um who have been inspirational to us and who we love so much and um who we just we just miss them and we hope that they're doing okay and they make it through this time and um can figure out a way to be creative um because this stuff matters um we're not saying it matters more than anything in the world but it definitely does matter it does matter and um and we're gonna know, talk and, about more of this stuff in the future for sure yeah yeah, and th this is a lot of fun, Brian. If if uh, you know if you're a music fan, if you're an Iowa music fan, like we said, look at your collection, pick out your top five, and, and what are the most personal uh, albums to you, and or the most special albums in your Iowa music collection? Because we had a blast doing this, and um, yeah, what, we will have to uh, we'll have to connect again and and do more of these podcasts. I'm thinking, Brian. That that sounds like a plan. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time. Thanks everybody for uh, for listening. Be sure to yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, con continue to uh, support the Iowa Informer and um, keep an eye out for our uh, weekly vlogs that we're doing on there. And uh, most of all, um, you know, be safe, take every precaution, and uh, and survive to to tell the story of this. Yeah, truth. We'll talk to you soon, Brian. Okay, sounds good. Take, take care, man. You too.